Get catching up on your sleep. <laughs> that started. Listen, snow news week. <laughs> that's started out a little bit put on, and then once I was like faking a yawn, my body was like, "Oh yeah, good call, man. Good call." <laughs> Just like, and then I was stuck. Let's, let's have a nap. <laughs> yeah, and then I was stuck. My body was like, "Yeah, a good yawn does sound really nice right about now." Ah. <laughs> uh, How's it going? I am legitimately tired, actually. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> Howard Howard is sick right now, and oh. uh, he um, he's not he's he, he he's hard to keep uh, kind of content and not crying mm-hmm. uh, at all right now. Like it's like to keep him happy at right. all right like, now. It's he really just hard feels yucky, and he's a baby, and he's yeah. uncomfortable because yeah. he's sick. And the only way we're finding to like actually keep him happy is to be standing holding him. So like, right? Thankfully, I'm not like Emily's kind of the main person. Uh, my wife is the main person who takes care of him at, at night because I can't feed him. Um, so she was up like most of the night last night, standing <laughs> holding him. Yeah, and, uh, I was up with him early this morning. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, even though I'm trying to sleep through it, I'm not I'm not getting a restful sleep because she's up and down and he's crying in the room and yeah. So for those so I'm a little who, bit tired. <laughs> for those who don't know, you did name your youngest son after the duck, right? That's Yeah, obviously. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read an article recently that uh talked about how he's the most powerful character in the Marvel universe. I I don't and, and he just represses that power purposefully. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really right. cool article. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm not going to lie. It was awesome. <laughs> we got this covered.com, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hello and welcome to the Movie Men podcast. Dobby team. My name is Brady. And I am Carl. And uh, it's our weekly news show. <laughs> we got some stuff to talk about, but today's also... A special day because in the week of news that we're covering was also what should be i don't know why this isn't considered a statutory holiday yet i don't know why we're going unrecognized but may the 4th happened star wars day i had to work followed followed promptly by revenge of the fifth revenge of the fifth and uh, so we are going to end today's show by individually ranking all 12 theatrical Star Wars movies. 12? Yes, 12 theatrical Star Wars movies. So episode one through nine, also including Rogue One, Solo, and The Clone Wars. Um, oh, good God. And... Uh, yeah, so we're going to rank those from, from worst to best, um, so stick around to the end, because that's going to be interesting. I expect at least one title of like crossover between you and me, at least one, for sure. The rest, I don't know. It could be a total crapshoot. I have no idea. No idea. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. So, without further ado, 
Let's get in. Um, Do it. The Super Mario Bros. movie. Did you see what I did there? Do it? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do yeah. it. You didn't do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> it, was a, it was a horrible impression. I, it was not, yeah. I, I was. You're you, the impressionist you, here. You, you, you see how I missed it. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, <laughs> um, the Super Mario Brothers movie has been cleaning up. Yeah, it was on in our dinky little hometown theater here for three weeks straight. Yeah. Which is very rare for a film to do. Let me just pull up box like, office. It's It's... For those that are unfamiliar with Hanover's screen, it's it's not a very big theater. It's one screen. Mm-hmm. So for him to keep a, a film here for more than one week and not bring in something else to kind of keep audiences coming in. It's a big deal. That speaks volumes to yeah. a film's quality for him to say, you know what? I'm going to keep showing this because people are showing up. Yep. It, um, it's currently grossed 1.15 billion dollars and i have yet to see it i've yet to see it as well too um i'm really looking forward to it though but apparently the reason i haven't seen it is because i don't hang out enough on twitter yeah so recently the super mario bros movie in its entirety was leaked onto twitter a like bootleg not high quality version of it, but it was still the entire film was leaked onto Twitter. Now, typically when something like this happens, when something gets leaked online that shouldn't be online, be it a trailer, be it, you know, whatever it is, the internet's pretty quick. I mean, people are are able to, you know, screen rip it and and do whatever, and and then they've got a copy, and there's kind of nothing you can do about that. But the internet typically is pretty quick about getting stuff down before everybody sees it. When it comes to like highly copyrighted material like this, that's not supposed to be out there. Nine million people saw it. Nine million? Yeah. Nine million views. Nine million people who would have... I I don't know. I don't know if these people would have gone to the theaters or not to see it otherwise. Um, But nine million people sat down and watched at least some of the Super Mario Brothers movie in the seven hours... That it was on Twitter. Now, how is this possible? How did this happen? Well, it's two things that I can see sort of as being the culprit. Number one, the moderation. So, very famously, recently, Elon Musk bought, took over, became the head honcho over at Twitter. And one of the first things that he did, sort of his whole agenda, was free speech, was reinstating the, sorry, quote-unquote free speech, was reinstating the some of the accounts that had been banned, like putting Donald Trump and, and people like that back onto Twitter. 
and just kind of being like, hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna sit and and police absolutely everything you put online because it's Twitter. Right? Write what you want, do what you want. And so shortly after Elon took over, a this team, thousands of employees that were put in place in order to moderate Twitter, the team seemed to kind of just disappear. A lot of people, like famously, Elon laid a lot of people off. He let a lot, let a lot of people go. And it seemed like a lot of the people who were let go was you know, were the people that were supposed to sit and scan Twitter and make sure that there wasn't stuff on there that's not supposed to be on there. And so that's issue number one, is that essentially there just wasn't enough people put in place to be able to catch it and take it down. Uh, Two is now there's the whole, like it used to be, you, you know, the little blue check mark that you can get on Twitter, the little blue check mark that you get on Instagram that's just like a verified account. Well, Twitter used to be the same way that Instagram still is, which is basically like, hey, if you're if you're a big deal, if you're the shit, and you can prove that you are who you say you are, and you got a lot of followers, and you're actually like a public figure or a person of interest or blah, 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 we'll give you this little blue check mark, and that will just kind of help people know that this isn't some fan-made account, this isn't whatever, like, this is the real deal, this is you. And what Elon did with Twitter, because Twitter used to be the same way, all of a sudden Twitter became, well, you know, for 17 bucks a month, you can have a blue check mark. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and with that comes like a bunch of it's a, Now perks. it's a subscription. Yeah. There's also Which, a gold check yeah. mark that I think the price tag for that is higher. Probably. I think it's a couple thousand dollars a month. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, it was monetization that Twitter definitely needed because it wasn't making money. But <laughs> Right. <laughs> and so- We don't it, need to debate. There's no debate. We're not debating here who's right or who's wrong. No. This is more about this the where the video was posted had a yes, check mark. Yes. And, and so because it was a blue check marked account- the account has the ability to upload videos that are an up to an hour long. So all they did was split the movie into two chunks and uploaded it. And wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Super Mario Bros. is online. Now, I'm curious what will come of this. Obviously, it's been taken down. You can no longer go and watch... Super Mario Bros. on Twitter. And I didn't watch it. I wouldn't have watched it. Not only because of, you know, this isn't like some big high moral compass thing. This is just like, it was like a bootleg copy. It was like a dude sitting in a theater with a camcorder in his trench coat. Like, (laughs) it's not even a good... Not, not, Not a good quality to watch. Yeah, like, so... Not ideal for first viewing experience. But it it kind of makes you wonder if studios, because this also happened recently. We didn't talk about it, but it happens not long ago where the entirety of Avatar The Way of Water was thrown up on, on Twitter. Now, they, got, they caught it faster. It was taken down quicker, but still people saw it. And so, 
I'm just curious, what is the studio stance going to be on this? And is this going to end up looking like some form of legal action? And is there even legal action they can take? Like, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know what what ground they have to stand on, if any. I don't know if inherently built into who Twitter is and what they are, they've got deniability because, well, it's not our fault that our, you know, it's it's the user's fault. Go after the user. Don't go after us. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Anyways, you hear all this. And and what do you think? Do you think that there's legal action on the horizon? Is this is this Twitter's fault? Is it the fault of the person who uploaded it? Is it a shared guilt? Like what is what is your perspective on all of this? Well, I mean, good on them for waiting a few weeks before putting it out there. <laughs> You know, that would spoil it for everybody first day. That was that I think that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's commendable, I guess. I guess. <laughs> but I don't know. Um I think like legal action is like I don't see how it can't not be a thing. Like you always get that because uh, it's a pirated video. And there are potentially, I don't know, I guess it depends on on the degree of how, what the degree of the the consequences would be is if they're somehow making a monetized money off of off of this somehow, you know, like what it, uh, this this account. Like, yeah, I don't think Twitter's I don't think Twitter's going to get hit with anything. Like if if any, if anything, they'll probably just get a slap on the wrist, or or the studios will try and make some kind of deal with Twitter to prevent this from happening, or uh, help prevent it. <clears throat> but yeah, I can't. Like this was this has been a thing, kind of in the in the past. People used to take camcorders in and then post it up online and people would download it and watch these films for free. And like, that's, that is illegal. If I'm not mistaken. So oh, how it's this, definitely illegal. This, this then falls into that same category. Mm -hmm. which it would, I, I can't see how it doesn't. So yeah, I mean, uh, 9 million views. Those are, those are ticket sales. Yeah. Right. They, they, I, I can't see how they can't take this this vids that go hard account, whoever owns it, whoever posted it, um, to court and say you owe us ten dollars on every on every view of this video. Yeah, let's say the average movie ticket is like twelve bucks, right? Ten, twelve, thirteen bucks. Now, not every nine million of those views would have been ticket sales. But it's interesting to speculate that had they been, it's a hundred million dollars. It's lost revenue. It's a hundred million dollars. Yeah. That's not chump change. No. <laughs> like, like the movie's doing well and it's making money. But that's like that's those are people that potentially could have went to the theater in the last couple of days and watched it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Now, now they'll just wait for a streaming service. I still just love your whole take on like, well, at least they waited. <laughs> That's like saying, yeah. oh, these scumbags robbed the bank. Well, yeah, but they at didn't, least they didn't walk take on my the, money. <laughs> they didn't walk on the carpet with their outdoor shoes. So <laughs> at, least, at least they ro- didn't rob my bank. <laughs> yeah, they were courteous. <laughs> they said please uh, and thank you. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see what comes of this. Um, it's definitely an issue. Um, and and I don't know what the solution is. I don't know what solution there can be. Um, but uh, there's going to need to be one because yeah. I, it's just crazy. And I don't get what the gain is for vids that go hard because that was that's the Twitter account that posted yeah. it. I don't get... I don't get what the gain is. You're not making financial gain off of it because you're just sticking it up on your Twitter account, a Twitter account that anybody can access. So there's no monetary gain for you. Yeah. Maybe maybe you're going after Twitter followers. Like you're like, oh, we're going to post this and everyone's going to start following us. But <laughs> the, co- the comment end? is ridiculous. F it. The whole movie. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, but to to what end? Because like you're sure maybe you're getting post. Yeah, maybe you're getting a lot of followers, but you've also just painted a <clears throat> massive cross. Like you've put a giant target on your yeah. back. So yeah, maybe you'll get a lot of followers, but you get a lot of followers to an account that is now in the crosshairs to be shut down, anyways. Yeah. So well, it, yeah, and oh, man, I just I like I just said what a thoughtless post, but it's not thoughtless. There's intent here because. They had to go to the theater and record it. Yep. When they went to the theater and record it, they had some intent to do something with that recording. Yeah. And if they yeah. own this Twitter account, then that's likely what their their intent was. Yeah. So anyway, no, it's crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy. Okay, moving yeah. on. There's there. Well, just one. Like the I I guarantee there's going to be legal action. Like I I I'd bet money on it, but we're not going to hear about it any further. This is probably the end of the news for that we'll hear on it probably although i will keep an eye out because uh it would be interesting to follow up on yeah 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 um so listen we've been chit-chatting a bunch about fantastic four who is and who isn't going to be in the fantastic four obviously there was the fan casting of john krasinski one that you know what normally I'm not like normally I'm not one to jump on the bandwagon of fan castings. I'll be like, ah, yeah, okay, you know, I see it, but I'd rather this person. But oh man, John Krasinski, like, ah, uh, even that little taste, that little appetizer, that little morsel that we were given of him as Reed Richards in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I ate that up. I was like, this is fantastic. Pardon the pun. Uh, this is <laughs> this is like the greatest thing. I, this is amazing. Um, I loved the idea of, of Emily Blunt as Sue Storm. I was like, oh, yes. Get John Krasinski and his wife to play Reed Richards and his wife. Like, I just did, it, yes, I'm, I'm so for this. It seems like we're not going to get John Krasinski. Rumors we were talking last week are that um, we might get Adam Driver as Reed Richards. And 
at the time, I kind of said, you know what, not my first choice, but I recognize the talent that is Adam Driver. And if you, as Marvel, have the chance to get Adam Driver to play your Reed Richards, you do it. You're, you're foolish not to. Well, a new rumor has surfaced. And it's worth putting an emphasis on the word rumor. Because that's all this is. It is a rumor. And it's a rumor. There's several sites that are reporting this rumor. And they're all being very clear about the fact that it is a rumor. And they all are traced back to the same source, which is one person's Twitter account. Not the same people that uploaded uploaded uh, Super Mario Bros. <laughs> for the record. Um, it's all traced back to one Twitter account. Now... Not a nobody account, a somewhat rep- reputable account within the industry, within the, the movie space. Um, sometimes gets things right, sometimes gets things wrong. So, again, just kind of take it with a grain of salt. But, according to the scoop that uh, Daniel Richmond supposedly has... Margot Robbie has been offered the role of Sue Storm in Fantastic Four. Um, And not only that, but that she will continue to play Harley Quinn in the DC Universe. um, You know, anyways, that she's going to kind of have a foot in both camps, um, which there's nothing wrong with. I have no issue with that whatsoever. I have no issue with an actor playing, you know, a prominent role in, in both comic book universes. Absolutely. Go for it. Do it. But let's talk about this. Let's talk about the rumor that Margot Robbie is Sue Storm or or is in talks to, has been offered, (laughs) what have you. Um, I I don't think it's a bad pick if this is, if it's true. If it's true, I don't think it's a bad pick. I think Margot Robbie's a good actor, and there's never, ever, 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 ever a circumstance where adding talent to your film is a bad idea. Um, and and in my opinion, Margot Robbie is talented. Um, I've seen a couple of fan art renderings of her as Sue Storm. They all look perfect. They all look spot on. That. You know, that means very little because an actor's appearance can be changed to look like just about anything. And so, you know, you shouldn't be cast for a role based on your appearance. Um, But I don't believe this rumor. I don't think it's true. I don't think that this person's lying. I don't think Daniel Richmond's hopping online going like, oh, this will get me clicks. Um I think he believes, I think he was given this information. I just think it's bad information. Mm. <clears throat> um, and maybe is, I'm wrong. Maybe is this the is the same person that was uh, saying, uh, uh, Adam Driver? It's in this article. Uh, I've seen it. Mila Kudens would be Thing. Uh, yes. Mila Kudens. He's the same one. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I think that I think that discredits his guess right there. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. There's no way she's going to be the thing. Here's the thing. The thing. <laughs> um, no. Uh, hang on. It also suggested. I don't know if that was him reporting that or not, but it is a suggestion. Um, it is a, a rumor that Mila Kunis is being eyed to play the thing. Now, yeah. a lot of people will hear that and they'll get bent out of shape. They'll get grumpy. They'll go, blah, blah. I've said this before and I'll say it again because I do think it's worth repeating. I, and this is just my personal perspective and and other people will have different opinions, different preferences, that's fine. That's one of the great things about film is that I can like something, you don't have to, you like something, I don't have to. I have no issue with gender or race bending in casting even iconic characters if the race or gender is not integral to who this character is. Give you an example. An example I've heard other people use, I've used before too. Superman. They were talking a little while back about how Michael B. Jordan might play Superman. Everyone got upset. Black Superman, blah, blah, blah. Superman is not... First of all, Superman is not human. <laughs> People are like, Superman's American. Nope, nope. Nuh-uh. <laughs> nope. Superman's Kryptonian. He's not human. He is not of an earthly race. The pigmentation of Superman's skin doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. You could cast a Spanish guy. You could cast a super ripped Asian guy as Superman, and that's okay. I'd be okay with that. Because the color of Superman's skin, the the likeness to whatever Earth ethnicity this Kryptonian happens to be, is not integral in any way, does not affect or impact the Superman character. There's nothing about Superman's character that is based on or circles around the fact that he has predominantly been illustrated and played by white actors. Nothing. Um, and so, coming back to the Mila Kunis as, as the thing. Ben Grimm. Ben Grimm in the comics. He's a man. Okay. Sure. And so what you would ha probably have to do is not have a, a Ben Grimm. It would be a someone else Grimm. Um... <clears throat> and that doesn't like who the thing's character is who's ben, who Ben's character in the comics is his interests the fact that he's you know Reed Richards friend he's like you know also kind of a little bit of like a sciencey guy but not near to the extent of of Reed Richards so on and so forth the fact that he you know the, that he gets exposed to this radiation and it changes him and he becomes this deformed rock figure. None of that is impacted. None of that is 
is connected directly to what Ben Grimm has below the belt. None of it. Ben the Ben Grimm's genitals do not play a role in the character of who the thing is. <laughs> like none whatsoever. And so do I think that they're going to cast Mila Kunis as the thing? No, I don't. I don't because everyone would freak out and lose their mind and and have a little hissy fit and the internet would explode and and people would boycott the film and I think that's stupid and a shame and and everyone's just a bunch of scum sucking losers. But I think that that's not a risk that Marvel's going to take because they know that, you know, that the internet won't stand for it. But I would be completely fine if they did. I would be completely fine if they did. If Joker tomorrow, if they did a version of Joker and Joker was a woman, that'd be fine. There's nothing about Joker's character that goes, well, you know, the real important thing about Joker, if you list Joker's character traits, well, you know, he's psychotic, clown-like, um, theatrical, chaotic, anti-establishment, has a penis. Nope, nope, that's not actually intrinsic to who the character is. Doesn't, does not matter, does not make a difference in the grand scheme of who that character is. So, anyways, uh, all that, before I pass it over to you, just to, to summarize, I don't think the Margot Robbie casting is true. I don't know why I don't think it's true. It's just a hunch that I have. Um, I do think that they've selected their Fantastic Four. I think they know, even if not all the contracts are signed, even if if not all the agreements are in place, I think Kevin Feige knows who his Fantastic Four is. Um, I would yeah, love well, for I mean, it to... Well, I mean, this CBR article that we're referencing for this, uh, the Mila Kunis bit at the end has a quote that says she knows who's it who's been cast but she won't disclose it and she's yes. not in it so i i i'd be fine with margot robbie playing sue storm obviously she play a very different character than the one she does as harley quinn very and so i think <laughs> i think a lot of the people who are like no oh, i don't like this i can't see it are are you know are just basing this off of harley quinn and I'm like, okay, well, but hang on. She's an actor. <laughs> She's an actor. <laughs> I, I kind of have a hunch. She might play it a little differently. Um, yeah, I have no issue with it. I think it'd be great. I don't <clears throat> think it's. I don't think it's true. Um, you hear this? Right. What are your thoughts? I, <clears throat> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know whether it's true or not. I, I have no. Uh, I don't know who reported this. It's a very. I think it's a great casting for it i think she'd na nail it but uh if it's not her i'm hopefully whoever they get is just as good um yeah and uh just just to kind of play devil's advocate although i'm not playing devil's advocate because i actually do have an opposing opinion i do think myla kunitz would not be a good ben grimm because she's a female i'm and not because she's not a great actor Actress, sorry. Uh, I I am on the, the side of like, you know, like keeping true to source material. And that's 
like you 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 say it's not integral to the character i agree with that uh, i'm not i'm not going to not see the film if she was cast as the thing right i'm not going to boycott it but i would be disappointed if it wasn't sure you know what i mean like cuz i it's it's a these are when we're talking about a comic book fantasy novelization whatever right yeah especially for properties like the fantastic four marvel's first superhero family like the stanley's first foray in the comics big big comic list uh lineup whatever you know what i mean these things have been around forever they've been unchanged people love them for what they are to make those changes for change sake is, 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 in my opinion, is a, a poor choice. Oh yeah. You'd have to Just have a good to, reason to say, for doing Oh, it. Ben, Ben Grimm's a guy because he's always been written a guy, but let's make her a girl just because why not? Yeah. Well, I think what, that is, that's poor. In my mind, that's poor decision-making. I right? think there are plenty. If you need a strong female character, there are plenty of strong female characters in the Marvel lineup that you can make a film around. Yeah. I, like you I don't think the, need to swap roles, swap genders, swap. No. You know what I mean? Like Black Panther is awesome. You don't need to swip, uh, make, uh, make uh, somebody else a black character. You've, you, you, there's plenty out there. There's plenty of um, characters in the Marvel lineup, and especially in the last 20 years. It, it, the um, Marvel comic books has really kind of diversified in terms of their popular characters. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm, 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 my argument is staying true to source material. Yeah. So we have very differing opinions there. Sure. But, uh, I, I I'm think- not, I'm not going to berate or someone or boycott something because, because a change was made. Yeah. <laughs> I think the two things that like, that open me up to it, more with something like the thing is two things one if this were the first time if it was if we'd waited our our whole existence to finally see the fantastic four on the screen then i think i might agree with you a little bit more because this is the fourth iteration <clears throat> Right, we had the one in was it the eighties or the seventies or, or whatever it is. We had the early two thousands and we had the twenty tens one. And so at this point, I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, but but he's been done three times already. So I don't know. Maybe I'm ready for a different. And the other thing is, you know, I'm a bit. I am a big fan of sticking to source material. The one thing that I struggle with, and I'm not like. You know, I'm not here to say like definitively, you know, blah blah blah, because I because I, I don't know. This is just something that I I find myself pondering sometimes. Is yes, Superman is is you know, if you go back to the source material, Superman is white. If you go back to the original Green Lantern, yeah. Green he also Lantern said he was, was American, but really he's Canadian. <laughs> okay, if you go back to the <laughs> if you go back to the original Wolverine. 
He's white. If you go back to the original also Canadian. Green Lantern, he's white. If you go back to the original Fantastic Four, they're all white. If you go back to, you know, like whatever, back to all right. these, the original Batman, then he's white. But the thing that I struggle with sometimes, the thing that I ponder is all of the most iconic, like we've got great heroes now that that are you know super diverse and blah 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 but the real like if we're talking about the ogs the most iconic that the have been around forever staple comic book characters all of that source material the origins of these characters come from an incredibly racist time <laughs> like come from a time where you know it wasn't a character choice to make superman white it was a societal racist choice. It was the fact uh, that it was the 20s. I think that's a stretch. I it think was the stretch. fact we're, that it was We're getting was into the, a different debate here. Well, no, but no, no I mean, but still. It's, I wouldn't say it's a racist choice. I would say it's the creators of Superman were white. Yes. They want to see a superhero that looks like them. So they made one. Yeah, I... That's not racist. <laughs> well, well, yeah, we'll move on. But I do think that if you're sitting in a boardroom in the 1920s and you have this idea for a new comic book hero, and it's the 1920s, it is it is good business in the 1920s yeah. to okay. recognize that if you want this new hero to be your flagship hero, to be the hero that like sells a million issues... It's going to be, it's going to sell more issues. It's going to have better public response if you're in the a 1920s CEO, that's going if it's white. Mind. If you're the creator yeah. of the character, it's not. Uh, it's possible. I don't, we don't know, right? We weren't in the mind. We, like, that's, that's no, not a yeah. question that I, either of us can ever answer. But No, but uh, yeah. that would, I, would, I, I would definitely take a different stance on that. Yeah, which is fine. Right, so. Okay, moving on. Anyway. Have you seen, listen, have you seen Dune? This is a question I realized I did not have an answer to. Have you seen Dune? No. No. I haven't even seen the original. I've seen bits of the original, well, I guess not the books are the originals, but. Right. Uh, I haven't read the books. I've seen bits and pieces of the, uh, when was, when did the other movies come out? 90s? Ah, the 80s, early 80s? Yeah, some, somewhere in there, yeah. I, I've only seen bits and pieces of those. So I've never seen any Dune or 84. read any Dune property in its fulfillment. Yeah. It's, 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 it's all of it. I don't know what- I mean, Fran uh, Patrick Stewart's in the original. I was aware of that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Patrick Stewart, man. And uh, some other people. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> some yeah, pe <laughs> some other people are in it too, by the looks of it. Sting, Sting is in it. Good lord, huh? Um, Pete and I reviewed it two years ago, the new one, year and a half ago, whenever <laughs> yeah, it came I out. I remember listening to it, and um, I, I was, Bored I was co cord. colder than lukewarm <laughs> to it. Um, did not like it. It was just bored. It was just like this is this is boring. Mm -hmm. Almost nothing happens. It was confusing as hell. Um, even like going back, rewind, going back and being like, okay, I I missed something here. Let me watch this scene again so I can like grasp 
what's happening. I would watch the scene a second time and be like, nope, nope. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know what's happening. Uh, I have not gotten around to watching it a second time, but want to. It's on my it's on my have to list. Um, so that because, you understand what's going on before you watch part two. Well, no, just because it's like uh, <laughs> because I'm like oh, I must have just been like in, in a, a mood or half asleep or because because the world loved it, and so I I must be I'm definitely in the minority, which doesn't necessarily mean I'm in the wrong, but. It it definitely makes me wonder more if I'm just missing something, and so I definitely want to rewatch it. Dune two, the trailer for Dune two has dropped. Uh, it, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it being confused about <laughs> Dune one, the trailer for Dune two has confused me just as much. I'm like, I, I okay. I mean, it looks beautiful, looks gorgeous, looks incredible. The visual effects look unbelievable. But I don't know what this is about. Um, I'm not looking forward to it yet. I mean, I'm looking forward to reviewing it because it's going to be a big content moment for us. Something that Pete and I are working towards, building towards doing our review of. Um... But from like a, a a night out at the movies alone, uh, I don't care. And maybe that will all change. Maybe that will change when I go back and watch the first one again. Maybe I'll be like, oh, and then I'll be super pumped and super excited. I have no idea. Um, It looks like maybe Zendaya is actually in this one. Because I don't know if you know this. Zendaya was used very heavily in the marketing for the first Dune. As you do, I, if you, you got Zendaya in your movie. You put her in yeah. the trailer, man. You market the shit out of that. She's in the last five minutes, maybe, of a almost three-hour film. She's like really only in, which my understanding, I've heard people talk about, my understanding is, well, that is consistent with the book. Like she's not really like in the, the first of half the of the book. Yeah. The character's not really in the first half of the book. So, it, you know, she came in to the story when it's appropriate for her to come into the story. And I'm like, well, it was a little misleading then. Like, that that could have been like a fun surprise, right? As opposed to like heavily in the marketing. But whatever. Um, I don't know. You saw the trailer. You haven't seen the first one. But watching the trailer, I mean, it's a star-studded cast. The person who we didn't get to see in this trailer because they seem to be keeping him sort of close to the to the vest here is um, Christopher Walken is in this new one. No um, way. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, I signed up for anything. Yeah, I guess he's he plays like some emperor, Supreme Emperor guy, some big in charge of whatever thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm I you had me at walking <laughs> like i'm you know i'm sick. walking into that theater now <laughs> yeah but uh aside from that i just it's it's kind of a it's kind of a, a miss for me and i don't think that's the fault of the trailer i think that people who enjoyed the first one people who um are maybe fans of the source material whatever 
are probably watching this trailer and going, this looks amazing. And I think it looks good. I do think it looks like a good film. I also just don't care. Anyways, you saw the trailer for Dune Part 2. What are your thoughts? Uh, looks good, don't care. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I haven't, I'm not invested in the universe, and I'm not, I haven't seen the first one, so, yeah, I mean, which kind of, you've, you've seen the first one, so, I mean, that's, you've, you've got more of a take than I do. Does Dune not seem right up your alley, though? It, like, it does, like, I've always been intrigued buy it but i just for whatever reason i've never spent time and effort to go out of my way to watch it Mm -hmm. like i'm talking about the originals and because i haven't seen the originals i I, i'm not invested in needing to see the the new these new ones right okay but uh they but again um yeah, like it is right up, kind of should be right up my alley, and I there is some interest there, but again, for whatever reason, I just haven't made an effort to uh, to watch them. Maybe that's what maybe that's what we'll do. I need to rewatch it. You haven't seen it. Maybe we'll we'll pick up a case of of whirly pops, and we'll sit and watch Dune. And we'll, we'll lament invite, on. We'll invite Pete over so we can pause it and ask him questions when we don't yeah, understand. Like, what the hell know, is going actually, on here, you, Pete? You know who we should get? We need Marshall because yeah, Marshall is the one that's going to set us straight <laughs> okay. and be like, "Wow, we got Pete, actually, this is Marshall and us." <laughs> yes. All right, moving on. It's a date. Moving on. We've talked a lot about different streaming services. Um, you know, we're in. What I would consider to still be the dawn of the streaming wars. It seems like streaming, like streaming, Netflix has been around for a while now. That sounds the like streaming, a movie title, Dawn of the, the Dawn wars. of the Streaming Wars. But like the actual streaming wars, the everyone's got a streaming service. Who's going to win out? Who's going to to go the distance and who isn't? We're still pretty green in this yeah, whole thing. It's definitely like. The golden age would have been when it was like just Netflix because everything yeah. was on Netflix. The golden Maybe age Netflix is over. And, and now there's Amazon like Prime. civil war. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and one of the ones that we've talked about is Paramount Plus. Now I signed up for Paramount Plus uh, two years ago, year and a half ago, because it was cheap. It was relatively cheap. I think it was like ten bucks or something a month. Um, and it was one of the first, like, aside from Netflix, it was one of the first ones that I was aware of. You know, obviously there was like Hulu and Crunchyroll and shit like that for a very long time. But Paramount Plus was like, it was kind of, to me, at least on my radar, it was like the next big, like, oh, Paramount. Like, this is, this is serious. This is, this is a studio with their own, um streaming service right it was right around the time i think the disney plus was kind of hitting the scene as well um and it was like okay like here we go paramount let's let's do this i signed up for paramount plus i immediately turned off the reoccurring billing 
when I discovered that the American version of Paramount Plus and the Canadian version of Paramount Plus were two very different Paramount Pluses. That's the CRTC for you. Like... Par- like well no that's not even the CRTC that's just like yes it, it is no it's, it's the way it works with streaming you know it's because it's the same as like why Paramount Plus in Mexico probably sucks right it's it's licensing you have to pay like it's not like it's it's really really complicated it's not like Netflix can just you know, we have this server and everybody accesses it globally. And so once we've paid to put a a product on there, obviously aside from Netflix original stuff, they own that. But if it's if it's something that they're licensing, then in order to put it on there, you have to license it kind of separately for every different country. So it's 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 just kind of like a cost thing, right? So it's like Everything gets licensed in the States because you have your most subscribers there. It's, you have your most financial return, and that, that's the audience that you take care of. Um, I don't agree with it because, obviously, I get the short end of that stick as a Canadian. But, um, no, the American Paramount Plus it seemed like, because I was able to browse through and see, like, oh, you know, what do they have? And I turned my VPN on, and I kind of checked out, like, oh, okay, cool, like, American Paramount Plus, sick. But then I was like, wow, but, you know, I'm mostly gonna, I don't have a way of putting the VPN on my Xbox. Oh, and that was the other thing, too, is, like, I don't even think there was an Xbox app at that point. So it was kind of like, Paramount Plus was going to be good for me if I was sitting at my desktop with my VPN turned on. And then like it was kind of like... Extra long HDMI cord going It, it was just like, uh, <laughs> you know? And so anyway, so I got rid of it. His American Paramount Plus was like a crisp high five. And like, a, you know, Canadian Paramount Plus was just like someone kind of, you know, shooting their pointer finger at you and going, hey... Like it was just, you it get wasn't. You pick up whatever's left in the fields after. Yeah, harvest. like it's just kind of. I, I, they might not have even had any movies on it. I think it was just like a couple of TV shows. Was all that was literally like all of the Canadian Paramount Plus was maybe twenty titles. And I'm like, what the hell am I? What? <laughs> so I got rid of it real quick. But I'm going to read this because I'm not going to be able to articulate it better than. This article does. 60 million people can be wrong. On Thursday morning, Paramount Global reported now having 60 million subscribers to its core streaming service, Paramount Plus. But by the end of a disastrous trading day, Paramount Plus dropped 28%. share. That's a big drop. (laughs) One crippled by poor quarterly earnings and a major cut to shareholder dividend. Um, So for those that don't know, dividend is like, if you're a shareholder, you get... If you're a shareholder in a company, then your dividend is like, every so often, it's like... uh, And it's not just like randomly. I don't know. It's different for different things. But it's like, hey, here's... You know, you're a shareholder. Here's a kickback. We're doing real well. Here's a kickback. Right? Um, and so those, the, the kickback, there was a major cut in that, what they were paying out to their shareholders. 
Um, equity analyst Stephen Cajal of Wells Fargo suggested the company just quit streaming altogether at this point. Paramount Plus, like every streaming service, is not named Netflix or that is not named Netflix or Hulu, is not yet profitable. This is true. But that's only the beginning of Calhan's. Cahal's argument. Analyst and media executives have long speculated that only a handful of all the streaming options around today will survive or make money in the long run. Cahal is ready to scratch one of uh, one off that list today. Even if Bob Backish, his fellow senior Paramount executives, are not. Why is direct-to-consumer, or streaming, the wrong approach, because it's too crowded, meaning lack of scale. Only Netflix currently has healthy margins and is seven times Paramount Plus's scale. We think Disney can get there, too, and it's three times Paramount. Cajal wrote in Investor Note Thursday, Alas, we see no willingness for these paths. So basically, a couple of things are said here. One is that if you're not Netflix or Hulu, your streaming service is not yet profitable. And that's true. That is 100% true. That only Netflix and Hulu have seen profit from are in the green, or in the black, if you prefer, when it comes to their streaming services. Everyone else right now is still, whether they're spending more on content than they're getting in, or they're still in that growing pain stages where they're like, hey, you know, we just kind of got to like get this thing up and running or whatever it is. Everyone else is kind of bleeding cash right now. And they all see it. That's like, that's part of the plan. You start a streaming service and people are aware, like, you know, we're not going to start making bank right away. But... Yeah, we got to get people onboarded. Yeah, and there's a couple, like, you know, I think the I think the projection is that by the end of... By the end of 2025, Disney will probably be making profit from their service. And, and there's all sorts of, like, these are, you know, industry analysts are these, like, geniuses. That, yeah, they're that, projecting... Yeah, and they understand the ebbs and flows and patterns and, you know, whatever else. Um, but but Paramount seems to be hurting. They seem to be hurting real bad. And I, I heard someone online talking about this, and they brought up a really interesting point. It might be time for Paramount to do what another genius company has done. So right now, if you're Paramount, the way you make money off your content when it comes to streaming, right? We're past the theaters. When it comes to streaming, you put content on your streaming service, whether you're creating it originally for that streaming service or it's something that was in the theaters on TV and now you're putting it on your streaming service and you hope to high hell that people sign up. And every month that people sign up or remain signed up, the money comes in. And you hope that that money kind of offsets the running costs of a streaming service, which is not cheap. Not cheap at all. It's not like having a Facebook page. 
ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about Sony. Sony doesn't have a streaming service. And Sony has said, no, we're not going to... Nah. We're not going to play that game. We're not going to play that game. Why? Because we can just make the content that we're making, put it in the theaters, make a shitload of money in the theaters, and then have you, Netflix, have you, HBO Max, have you, whoever else, pay us to put our product on your streaming service. Sounds like a better model to me. And then we just sit there. Now, this model, this isn't like, well, everyone should do this because then then it doesn't work. Then there's no streaming services to buy the content. And then you're back to like, okay, well, now streaming's just not a thing. But uh, it's genius. It's genius what Sony is doing. They have no streaming overhead. No streaming overhead. It's brilliant for them, but it's also beautiful for a consumer. Yes. Because, yeah, because you just got to be patient and eventually Sony. it'll land on something you're subscribed to. Yeah. I don't have to sign up for Sony now. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, so uh, should Paramount, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tricky, right? It's kind of one of those, like, it's kind of one of those slot machine situations or poker. You and I have played poker together. It's kind of one of those poker hands, I think, right now that Paramount has where they're like, <sighs> We've already got so much money in the pot. And so, do I stay in this? Do we keep throwing money at this hand? Because I don't want to lose all the money I've already put into the pot. Or, do we say, okay, this hand's not working. I don't see see this being a winning hand. Yes, we've put a bunch of money into the pot. That sucks but we're not going to add any more chips. Yeah. Fold and cut your losses. Cut your losses. So I don't know. I I think it might be, I think this guy might be right. I think it might be time for Paramount to, because I, listen, the American Paramount Plus, it looked fantastic. I, I signed up for it thinking that's what I was getting. It's not what I got. And maybe two years later, Canadian Paramount Plus is a totally different story. Maybe it's now it's a totally solid service. I have no idea. Um, but it's definitely not looking good for them. Anyways, you hear all this. What are your thoughts? What should Paramount do? Um, are they are they completely boned? Should they do what Sony's doing? What are, what are your thoughts? It sounds like... The execs are, and this is, I'm, um, you brought it poker, the poker analogy in. And the execs sound like they're sitting with, this will sound familiar to you and whoever else was in the bar and with us playing poker that night. Sounds like they're sitting with pocket aces and they, and, a, and another ace flips up on the turn. And they yep. think, it sounds like they think they've got something. But really, there's somebody else at the table with a full house. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to yep. lose. So, yeah, they need – yeah, I mean, I can't – it was a few episodes ago we were talking about streaming services, and I brought up a Wikipedia page with a list of all the streaming services, and 
that the market is oversaturated. Like if it's not, it's, it's more than oversaturated. It's, it's like a dilute deluge of, of streaming options. And yeah, you're right. Like it costs money to maintain these streaming sites and maintain these servers and, and re-upload stuff and make sure everything's running right and have an app and make sure that's, you know, like you got to pay people, you got to pay, you got to have a facility to, to, to have these servers at like it's, it, there's, there's money involved and some of them are going to have a way more overhead than others. And like, man, one of, I think one of two things will happen. They'll either realize they're boned and they'll, they'll quit or they're going to keep going and they're going to screw themselves over even more before they realize it. Either way, this could be kind of the start of kind of the decline of the streaming services till we only get yeah to to like there's half of what we have now. You know what I mean? Like there's always going to be a lot, I think. But I think more and more more of these studios are going to that ha- like Paramount's a perfect example, right? I think Paramount is eventually going to bite the bullet depending on they might have to chew bite off more than they they intended. Um but they're going to have to cancel their streaming thing and go the way of Sony because Sony has got it right. Yeah. Um like Disney Disney was kind of should have I thought Disney should have done what I think everybody should have done what Sony was doing. Just just shop around. But some some people like Disney have like they've got a really huge back catalog of stuff that people do want to watch. So like Paramount's got been around a while, but they don't have the the pull like Sony like Disney does. So yeah, I think uh, I think Paramount Plus is going to be 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 done sooner than later, or it's just going to be a hot mess and be done a lot later than it should have been. <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking up. I'm trying to see if I can find the answer to um, how much you know how much are these how much is Netflix paying a month what are their what are their monthly running costs because I think that'd be really I don't know I think it'd be interesting right like mm. what is Netflix's running cost. Um, expenses. So, uh, in a 12-month period, it cost Netflix $26.5 billion a year to keep Netflix running. That's a that, lot of money. That's total expenses. That's a lot. <laughs> that's their expenses. That's a lot. Yeah. That's that's crazy. That's like yeah. over that, $2 billion dollars a month. That's probably 
if that's total expenses, that might be taking into a what do you think that takes into account the production of their exclusives? Uh, no, no, that's just operating expenses. That's okay. all of the people that they're employing. That's all of the yeah. That's just, just what it takes the, to run the the app or whatever. Yep. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. So. All right, moving on. Listen, do you remember 2007? Uh, vaguely. It was a while ago. Do you remember November 2007 to February 2008? Oh, man. Um, I think that's when I went on strike. <laughs> you were part of the, the Writers Guild of America? Yes. Is that, yeah? Good yeah. for you, Nobody man. We would buy my script. I was Good for so you. I went on strike with them. Uh, I had this great yeah. script, script and nobody would buy it. It's 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 always funny to me if there's a series that I'm watching on a streaming service. Like an older series, right? A series that I'm like, oh, they added such and such to Netflix. I'm going to go back and watch it. And you're going through the different seasons. 24 episodes, 22 episodes, 23 episodes, 21 episodes, 16 episodes, or 12 episodes, and then back up to 20 episodes, back up to 22 episodes, and you're like, oh, what the, oh, that season is the season when the strike was. (laughs) So for those that don't remember, in 2007, the Writers Guild of America went on a little thing called a strike. And this isn't the first time that that the Screenwriters Guild of America has gone on strike. WGA has gone on strike. Um, in fact, they kind of do it every time there's a massive change to the industry because they need to renegotiate how they get paid, how residuals are going to work. Right, because that's like, and and it's not just the Writers Guild that needs to do this. It's it's all sorts of different unions within the entertainment industry that go, hmm, okay, well, so this is like kind of different now. So what are we gonna do, right? Like, how this kind of is an upset to our pay structure. And back in two thousand seven, <clears throat> you had things like Netflix showing up on the scene. And so the Writers Guild of America was like, okay, hang on. How does it affect us and our paychecks when we write a show or we write a movie and the residuals that we would normally get for reruns of this show on TV or every time this movie plays on TV, how how does that look now with something like Netflix? with streaming services, right? Because it does. That's like, you know, you the way it works with TV is there's advertising and advertising commercials generates revenue and so the revenue, a portion of it goes back to the writers, goes back to the actors, goes back to the directors, so on and so forth. Well, if something's getting stuck up on streaming service, it's a little bit different, right? It's not like, well, you know, our movie played today. Well, I don't know, our movie's sitting there. I'm sure somebody played it today. <laughs> somebody watched it on Netflix today. How does, you know, what the hell? And so, yeah, they went on strike. And it wasn't an insignificant strike. 
It was four months. Like I said, it was November to February. That's a, that's a big strike. And the way it works, the way strikes work, specifically the way that strike worked, was as soon as the Writers Guild of America went on strike, if you were a part of that guild, if you were a, a card-carrying member, your pencil got put down. The typewriter got put away. And it wasn't... And, and, and that's... It's enforced. Like, that's not like, hey, you know, yeah, like, I'm part of the Writers Guild of America and they're all kind of, like, super upset. But, like... I'm kind of thinking like, hey, man, like, I don't, I'm fine. Let's just keep writing. No, no, does not work that way. Sorry, son. You're part of the Writers Guild of America. The Writers Guild of America is going on strike. Put the pencil down. You cannot write until this strike is resolved. And obviously, eventually it was. And and yes, there was a, a lot of things that got delayed, Back then, there was a lot, as sort of alluded to, there was a lot of seasons that were cut very short. <laughs> like a lot of television series that just kind of ended. Um, those were heavily impacted. One of the things that got impacted the most, and it's something people don't often think about, is daily talk shows. The Late Night Show. The Tonight Show. The, the Conan O'Brien, Jay Leno's... Jimmy Kimmel's, Dave Letterman's, what have you, of the world. Well, those shows depend on daily writing so that they're up to date and they're current. The monologues are talking about things that happened yesterday or today or, you know, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, they didn't have writers. So it really is an upset to the industry. Well, fast forward to 2023. We're at it again. We're at it again. The Screen Guild, the Screen, the Writers Guild of America, whatever the hell they're called, uh, are on strike again, officially on strike now. Now, it was something that we were probably going to talk about regardless. Um, We didn't talk about it last week when it was kind of like impending, imminent. If they didn't reach a settlement, the strike was going to happen. Um, And by the time we got around to this week's news, we're we're in full blown strike mode, and it is. It's a it's a put your pencil down, stop writing, step away, kind of scenario. And so, what I wanted to talk about is how does this impact and affect our movies, our movies, our TV series, the stuff that we love, the entertainment that we consume. Well, it affects it quite a bit. <laughs> like it, There's quite a bit of impacts that this is going to have in that if a script is currently being written for a project, if we're partway through writing a script, um, the writers who are writing the script have to stop writing. They're not allowed to continue writing. If a script is finished, then then the work is done and you can shoot the movie because the script is written. However, if a couple of days into shooting, a couple of weeks into shooting, you determine you need 15 pages of rewrites because of, you know, whatever isn't going to work out the way you thought it was or we kind of want to go in a slightly different direction, you know, whatever. That happens all the time. You're out of luck. 
you're out of luck. And it affects- Does this affect reality TV, do you think? I mean, reality TV is pretty scripted. Absolutely it does. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely it does. They're not given lines of dialogue, though. Um, you'd be surprised. I mean, the hosts definitely are given the host, lines yeah, of the host dialogue. Would, I guess. Yeah. So it's so it, affects, it shows you how real reality TV is. Yeah, it, exactly. <laughs> it affects everybody who is a Writers Guild of America card holder. You know who is a Writer Guild of America card holder? James Gunn, because he writes stuff, right? And so his so here's a really interesting example. Superman Legacy, the film that James Gunn wrote and is directing. Well, the script is done. But even on his own film, he's the head of the studio. He's directing the film. He's writing the film that he's directing. It's his movie. Now, the script is done, so he can start shooting it. But had he been partway through writing his script, he would have to stop. He would not be allowed to continue writing. But he's not allowed to make edits. And he's not allowed to do any rewrites. As long as this strike is going on. And so it really kind of grinds the gears and halts a lot of things in, in our world. You know, like, we... You sent me an article. It's worth talking about. Because we were talking last week, you know. Ah, man, like... Blade is five weeks out, now four weeks out from starting production. And they brought someone on to do some major, major rewrites to an already finished script, but some major rewrites. Well, guess who can't do major rewrites now? Guess who is now delayed? Blade. Because they're sitting there and their hands are tied. It's interesting. Like, is really fascinating. What are your thoughts on this? Um, I hope we get more gems like, uh, what was it, Mr. Horrible's Something Sing Along? <laughs> that came out during the writer's strike. It uh, People were scrounging. <laughs> it was really fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, people got to get paid. Uh, the article where we you you sent me that we're referring to, the the big reason was because of the AI stuff, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Is AI at a point where it can write a script? Probably. <laughs> How much of is it is it pulling from these people? Probably a lot. <laughs> a lot. So yeah. An interesting um, article dropped um, this morning. Rings of Power Season 2, to finish shooting without writers or showrunners. Because <sighs> that's always a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, fir- the first one wasn't contentious at all. Let's let's uh, just finish this one without writing, good or yeah. bad. Yeah, we'll just, you know. Just, <laughs> we'll wing it. I don't know. What do you, you, you think You know who Gandalf your character is. Say. Make up the lines. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. It's... um. What are your thoughts on Blade getting delayed? This is now improv. <laughs> yeah. The Rings of Power is an improv. <laughs> I mean, this delay isn't Blade's 
fault so much. I mean, it no. isn't, it isn't. Like, had they not found themselves in this situation already where we're five weeks out from shooting and there's rewrites, then Blade would not be affected by this. Yeah, I, I think I'm more interested to see how long it drags out this time. I hope not long. I really hope not long. Because as you mentioned, so much the last stuff. one was months. Yeah. Right. All this I Star feel- Wars stuff that was just announced, like where's that? Like, like yeah. everything's... If, uh, yeah. If the big issue is the AI thing, it, it might be quick, right? It might be, okay, nobody gets to use an AI script. It all, you have to hire a writer. But how do you prove it? But... But then, yeah, like it might, it could be longer. Yeah, because the, the writer could just be like, ah, I'm going to phone it in today. Chappie, GVG, whatever the AI site is, yeah. make me a script. These are the premises. Yeah. These <laughs> are the parameters. This write this. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, I, was it, no, it wasn't you I was sharing it with. Like, so I had hopped on chat GPT a couple weeks ago. And it's still... It's got a long way to go. Like a really, really long way to go. Oh, but it's scary how but, how smart so, this stuff's getting. So to give you a rough idea, this is, again, without giving it any parameters, I simply typed into ChatGPT, write the beginning of a sequel to The Hobbit. That's all I said. That's all I said. And this is what it spat out. I won't read all of the, because the, I said, okay, now write some more, write some more, write some more. And I got to the point that, you know, it had like a, a 30 page version of a novel and then it said the end at the end, right? So I'll just read you this little beginning, like the first page. Bilbo Baggins had long since returned to the Shire after his grand adventure with the dwarves and Gandalf, but he couldn't shake the feeling that there was still more to be done. He had grown restless in the peaceful years that followed, longing for the thrill of adventure once more. It was on a clear spring morning that Bilbo received an unexpected visitor, a dwarf by the name of Dwalin, one of the original company that had journeyed with him to the Lonely Mountain. Dwalin had continued, or had come with urgent news. Smaug, the dragon that Bilbo and the dwarves had defeated all those years ago, was not as dead as they had thought. The dragon had been seen flying over the mountains, and there was rumors that he was amassing an army of orcs and other dark creatures. Dwalin had been sent by Thorin's son, Dane, who had taken over as king under the mountain after Thorin's death, to ask Bilbo to join them once more in their fight against Smaug. Bilbo hesitated at first. He was not as young as he used to be, and had grown comfortable in his home in the Shire. But the lure of adventure was too strong, and he knew that he could not sit idly by while Smaug threatened the peace of Middle-earth once more. So Bilbo set out once more, accompanied by Dwalin and a group of dwarves. They traveled through the Misty Mountains and across the plains of Rohan, finally arriving at the Lonely Mountain. There they found Dane and his army of dwarves preparing for the battle to come. Bilbo was greeted with cheers and hugs from his old friends. He felt a sense of belonging that he had not felt since he had left the Lonely Mountain years ago. But there was also a sense of trepidation in the air. Everyone knew that the coming battle would be fierce and dangerous. As they prepared for battle, Bilbo couldn't help but feel a sense of deja vu. 
He had been in this exact same spot before, facing an impossible foe with nothing but his wits and courage to see him through. But this time he was not alone. He had his friends by his side, and together they would face whatever came their way. The first chapter of Bilbo's new adventure had begun, and he knew that it would be the greatest challenge of his life. That's just me saying, hey, write a beginning to a sequel to The Hobbit. It sounds more like what you'd read on the back of a paper. Uh, sure. Well, sure. Novel, but but yeah, it's, it's still. Without yeah. any like, you know, yeah. it's just nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. I've also, yeah. I'll share them with you at some point. I, I went in and I was like, you know, uh, write a story about um, what happens with Yoda in the years between this movie and this movie. And it just like starts, but just like, you know, in the dank environment of Dagobah and like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, (gasps) this stuff is like super smart. Like I read an article about somebody who uh, asked Chap, uh, one of these AIs to do something, but the AI was blocked by one of those, um, I am not a robot filter things. Like, right. Click all the stop signs. Click all the cars. So, and it couldn't get by it. Oh, thank God. Woof. We're saved. Right. Technology is beaten by technology. No, the AI went on some hiring website and hired a human to bypass it for it. Mm-hmm. Like that is yep. freaky. <laughs> I uh, I asked Chat GPT. We were playing a game of of Would You Rather. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I had like philosophical debates. Like, and I was really trying to test its limits, right? Like, it would apologize to me for something. And I would say, How can you, if you are a machine, how are you capable of apologizing to me if you cannot feel remorse? And, and like, and it would, we would have this like back and forth. Like, it was incredible incredible anyways we were playing would you rather and it was like you know it asked me a question about like invisibility and time travel or something right were the two and i was like okay well what so then i just asked it i was like well what are the what rules of time travel are we using and it was like good question let's say for the sake of arguing that you know blah 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 blah. you can affect this but like it it was just like (laughs) It was like the best game of Would You Rather I've ever played. <laughs> so good. Anyways, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, this um, hopefully this writer strike does not uh, does not dwindle too long because um, I want my yeah. content. All right, yeah. that was a fun Folks, tangent, though. <laughs> the time has come. The moment that I am looking forward to our ranking of the twelve theatrical Star Wars releases from worst to best. Why don't we're you take worst? Ooh, we're going okay. worst. Yeah, because you can end on a high note, right? All right. All right. Uh, why don't you go first? Give right. me give me your 12. And maybe just like a quick little blurb about like... Oh, we're not going to go like your... No, because I think it's conf- oh, man, it gets a little one. confusing. Hang on. 12. Uh, I've only got 11. What's the 12th I'm missing? The Clone Wars, probably. Oh, the TV show? No, the, the animated oh, the, the film animated that got Clone a theatrical Wars. release. Ah, right, okay. 
Uh, that one should be easy to slot in somewhere, right? You'd think. <laughs> it was easy for me. Uh, we'll put it right there. No, okay. let's put it a little higher. And give me a little blurb. Give me a little blurb just about like, you know, ah, this is why. This is why I put this here. Yeah, we'll put it here. So All right, sir. What, I'm going to go through list? my whole list and then you're going to go through your list? I think so. I think it's just easier to like, to yeah, I think so. It's easier to like, as the listener, to wrap your head around what the order is instead of bouncing all over the place. Well, I mean, if we number them, they know the order. I Because I'd be interested to, to, to like... To see if they line up? Yeah. Okay, go, go let's do that. for one. All right. Okay. I'm also going to write out your list because I want to be able to see your list. So I'm going to write it out as you're saying it. But Right. Okay. So Me go too. first. The uh, so the worst film in the Star Wars cinematic franchise that of our 12 films is yeah. Solo because it's not a Star Wars film. It's a, it's a heist film. It doesn't do justice to the character. It, it's just a bad... It's a bad Star Wars film. It's bad. It's bad. Okay. Doesn't feel like Solo. Barely looks like Solo. <laughs> Nobody wanted okay. it. All right. After All it right. came out, everybody wished it, it didn't exist. Ah, right. Everybody <laughs> is a generalization, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> but, divisive. Yeah, it, was it was certainly it was, divisive. Yeah. It's probably... I won't say it's the most divisive. It's definitely not the most divisive, but it's, I think more, more people would say it's bad than will say it's good in terms of a Star Wars film. Okay. Uh, My worst Star Wars film, hands down, is The Clone Wars. Uh, This should never have had a theatrical release. Like, there is, of all the other films on this list, I can see, you know, there's things that I've ranked low where I'm like, you know, it wasn't that good. Um, there's like some obvious issues with it, but but I can still go. Uh, but I can see, well, I can see what the idea was. I can kind of, I can, I can see what you were going for. The Clone Wars, as a theatrical release, as a pay money to come see this in the theater, is the only film on this list where I can look at it and say. What were you thinking? Yeah. What were you thinking? Yeah, it definitely, yeah. Like, as a preemptive for a cartoon, it should have just been in the cartoon. (laughs) Yeah, to have your first theatrical release that is not like an episodic film and to have it, you know, feature Jabba's cousin, brother, whatever it is. It's like, oh, I'm just so excited to be a part of this. Jabba's baby. Ah, like it's just as a, as a, if it was a pilot episode, if it was an hour and a half long pilot episode to the Clone Wars TV show, absolutely. Because the show's riddled with that kind of nonsensical, silly, stupid stuff. Sure. But as a theatrical release, it's garbage. It's so bad. It is Mm. so bad. That is my worst Star Wars film by far is the Clone Wars. Cool. All right. So that's number 12. Number 11, then. For me, it would be The Last Jedi. I figured. Interesting. Okay. The Last Jedi crapped on everything that came before it, including The Force Awakens. So 
Yeah, it's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. And so for those it, thematically, it feels like Star Wars, but it does not. It does not take into consideration any of the original trilogy, any of the story that George Lucas told. It doesn't. It doesn't even try to. Uh, I don't think appease is the right word. Fans uh, try to honor. There, yeah, that's a better word. Try to honor fans by kind of diving into some of the uh, uh, legends lore and using some right. of that. It doesn't Which even. It, technically it doesn't even follow. It doesn't even to. follow like uh, normal Star Wars canon lore for a lot of it. Right. Like it just, it's okay. just bad. It, it doesn't, it's like I seen, I've been watching a lot of uh, content of, of people kind of breaking down some of the, the short form content. It's not very long, but um, like five minute videos on YouTube of people kind of breaking down different reasons why they think it didn't work. And there's one where there's a, interview with Ryan Johnson where he talks about his ideal film being a film where half the audience loves it and half the audience wants to walk out. And that's this film. Yeah. And that doesn't make any sense to me. Why, why is a filmmaker as a writer, as somebody who's (laughs) trying to make content, would you want to make something that people hate? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, I don't get yeah, that. I don't know. It doesn't, yeah. and, and that's this film. And he, so in my mind, like, it, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Like, this is just me um, projecting my thoughts on why it could possibly be this bad. Yeah. But I feel like Ryan Johnson purposefully de- de- took a wrecking ball to Star Wars just so that half the people would hate it. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Um, okay. So you don't like the last Jedi. It's worth (laughs) noting for those that, um, for those that are interested, Carl and I are currently in the planning stages of sorting out, we're going to do a, a, a standalone episode, um, where we have a debate. We're going to bring on a moderator to moderate the debate. It'll be a proper, like, I don't know what the, the structure is going to be yet, but it'll kind of be like, okay, Carl, you have five minutes for your opening statement. Brady, you have five minutes for your opening st- You know, we'll kind of, well, it'll stay civil. It'll stay, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it won't be about, is The Last Jedi a good movie or not? Right? So arguments like, well, The Last Jedi craps all over the force awakens uh, it, that that'll be a, a useless argument because we're not, we're not arguing whether or not it's a good movie. What we are, what we will be arguing is within the last Jedi, whether it's a good movie or not, is Luke's story in it consistent to his character arc from the original trilogy. Um, and, and yeah, so it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting debate. Um, obviously, Carl's on the side of, no, it's not consistent. Um, I'm on the side of it's 100% consistent. And we're both prepared to, to argue our viewpoint. So look forward to that. Keep an eye out for that. My number 11, second worst Star Wars theatrical film, is Solo A Star Wars Story. Um, I don't dislike this film, right? Just because it's 11th doesn't mean it's like, oh, this is an awful movie. It's just like, 
it's just not as good as the other ones. Um, yeah, it just, you know, I just don't care, right? Like, I just, it, it's, it is, aside from the Clone Wars, the one that I'm least likely to reach for and put on. I think I've only seen it all the way through once, maybe twice. Um, there's some fun moments in it. The action's good. I like Woody Harrelson's character in it. I love the twist of um, having Darth Maul show up. Like, that was all... That was great. Um, There was a lot of stuff that they kind of set up that because they aren't doing a a sequel to it, kind of don't go anywhere. Um, Excuse me. Kind of don't have, like, really a tie-in to anything else, so it just kind of felt like, well, what's the point? And I think it was a poor move making this film... In general, but but specifically when they did, because this film came out just after Force Awakens. This was the next film to release after Force Awakens, where we just not only saw the return of Harrison Ford as Han Solo, but we saw Harrison Ford as Han Solo die. And so then to turn around and give us a different Han Solo like actor yeah. in the role it was just kind of like you know it, it, it really was very similar <laughs> yeah and it was very similar to although the actor didn't change the fact that right after endgame we got black widow and i was like well yeah mm, yeah you're you're giving us you're giving us a story about a character that you've just killed off so uh, you know yeah yeah that's a good comparison Although Black Widow was actually a pretty decent movie. <laughs> actually, it was really good. I really liked Black Widow. But yeah, yeah. I I like it as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh man. What a bad film that was. <laughs> well, it wasn't No, you're right. It wasn't like I said I said it earlier too. Like I it's not it's not a good Star Wars movie. Like as a heist movie, it's fun. But it's not a not a good Star Wars movie. Yeah. It doesn't What's feel, your next it one? It feels like a heist movie and they tagged in Star Wars member berries. Ooh, look, Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So that's that's uh, 11, eh? No, that's 10. Yeah, that's 11. So we're on 10. That's yeah, my 11, yep. Yeah. So 10. My number 10 is Rise of Skywalker. And yeah, this is, I don't think this one's as egregious for its kind of disrespect to uh, existing lore and um, legends lore, but it still does a fair bit of it. But it just, because it's trying to clean up the mess that was the last Jedi, it's just, it's, it's hard. It's not it's all over the place and it's, it's hard to watch. <laughs> and that's why it's 10. Okay. That was, that was yeah. in depth. Uh, my number 10 is attack of the clones. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. It's, it's just not great. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, between the whole, like, oh, I hate sand. 
<laughs> yeah, the romance stuff is a little hard to swallow. It's hard to breathe. You, 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 you tear Anakin. You're tearing me apart. Like it's just, it's that. It's some of the goofy stuff of like of C-3PO's head getting swatted, like his head on the battle droid body and vice versa is just a little tacky and out there. Um, yeah, it's just, to me, it's, it's not, it's got some great redeeming moments for sure, right? Like Yoda fighting Count Dooku, um, The discovery of Django Fett, the Camino stuff is pretty cool. But like, aside from that, and obviously the 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 Jedi, you know, all the lightsabers lighting up in in the the <clears throat> Geonosis battle. That battle is way more detailed than people realize. I seen a oh, breakdown yeah. of where a person's like going frame by frame. And like just watching the background stuff, there's some crazy stuff that goes on in the background of that whole Geonosis fight before the clones show up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but all in all, it's just kind of a meh. It's just kind of a meh movie. Hmm. It's just not, it's just not good. It's kind of, you know, and I, I, I think that I would argue that even prequel defenders who are like, oh, the prequels are, you know, the prequels are great. Even they recognize that of the prequels, Attack of the Clones is one of the weaker entries. Yeah, I, I would say so. Mine's obviously, obviously, because we're done 10 now, mine's obviously higher on the list. Yep. Um, I, I did just watch it very, like this past Friday. Right. And it was like, I'm I'm as a Star Wars film, I'm happy with it. I agree with you though. It's not the best of the prequel trilogy. It's definitely not the best Star Wars film, but it's it's good. It holds its own in the series. Yep. Yep. Yeah, okay. I I so that's it. That's my number 10. Nice. All right, on to number 9. My number 9 is Clone Wars. Um and I would say for a lot of the same reasons that you said it, it was number 12. I would put it at number nine that it's, it definitely feels like it should have been a, um, oh shoot. What's the word? Uh, for the first, for the first kind of foray a pilot. for the TV show, the pilot, that's the word. Thank you. It should have been the pilot, a pilot, a TV show pilot instead of a cinematic release. And I agree it is very campy with the Jabba the Hutt storyline. Yeah. Outside of that Jabba the Hutt storyline, like you kind of remove Jabba's weird cousin and it's, it's a pretty good film. Like it was, it's a fun flick and it's obviously meant for a younger audience. Uh, especially with the introduction of Ahsoka um, and kind of the whole relationship there were between her and Anakin. Um, but it's, I, th I still think it's, it's good. Yeah. I mean, 
Like it's like if I were to like have to put a number ranking on each of these, it would be leaps and bounds above Rise of Skywalker. Oh, like there would be a huge (laughs) jump in 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 quality and wanting to watch it and and what it for what it is. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's my nine. What's your nine? <laughs> my nine is The Phantom Menace. Wow. Um, a, lot of, a lot of prequels at the bottom. Well, I guess not a lot. All over half. There's only three. <laughs> There's only three. There is 66%. Um, <laughs> the Phantom Menace. Uh, you know what? It's pod racing is great. The Duel of the Fates is obviously great. Um, I don't have issues with ch- Child Anakin the way so many other people complain about child Anakin. I, I have no issue with that. Um, I do think it's kind of slow though. I do think it, it, it drags on a little. It's, I understand the importance of the political storyline to the prequels and that that is, you know, that politics is what Palpatine used in order to create the empire that even, even though it's not thrown in your face, the original Star Wars trilogy is still about the politics of the galaxy, right? That's, it's still is what it is. Um, But it's just like, it's not even so much Jar Jar. It's all of the other, it's just the Gungan stuff in general. Like I just, you know, seeing their underwater city is cool. But then the whole, like, diplomacy between them and the rest of the Naboo mm. and their battle, you know, like, oh, where's a Boomba? I don't have a Boomba. Here, use my Boomba. Like, it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, you know, it's it yeah. doesn't it doesn't work for me. It, um, I don't hate the Phantom Menace the way that every, you know, that a lot of other people seem to really hate the Phantom Menace. Um, but, um, but it's, it's definitely lower on my list. I think it just drags and it's Mm. slow and it's, it's unnecessarily tacky. I appreciate it for the leaps and bounds and visual effects that it was like, it's a, it's a technological masterpiece for when it came out hundred percent. Um, but yeah, it just, um, you know, and all the Tatooine stuff, it just feels like we're on Tatooine forever. You know, like bombing around the markets and and doing stuff, and it just so it doesn't, yeah, yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. All right. That's that's nine done and in the books. Uh, moving on to number eight. My number eight is the Force Awakens. Uh, now I put it uh, at number eight, and now last. The last one was Clone Wars, and I said it was leaps and bounds above everything below it, which means everything else is leaps and bounds above everything below Clone Wars as well. So I actually thought that The Force Awakens was a a decent, a, 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 an acceptable first foray for Disney into the Star Wars franchise. Um. There were, I think that I've said it before. I'll keep saying it again. I don't, I'll beat that horse till it's dead three times over. I think that 
um, Finn would have been a way more compelling story and character as a lead than Ray. And Ray should have took more of a Han Solo part in the story than a lead and being a Jedi. But man, yeah, it was, it was good. Like there was a lot, a lot of like member berries, <laughs> some of them better than others. Uh, but yeah, uh, like my only real beef was just like, and, and it, it just kind of continues throughout the franchise, the, the Disney series is just like, um, how Ray is able to use the force with zero training. And that's a big issue for me. It doesn't make any sense. I don't, you can say she's a Palpatine and she's just really good with the force, but that, no, that I, I reject that wholeheartedly. If Anakin needed training and he was born of the force, then she needs training too. full stop. So that, that was really my only issue with this film, I think. And for that, it's, it's a good film especially for a star Wars film and for being a Disney film. Yeah. <laughs> Disney yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it set everything up really well, I think. And then everything went to crap afterwards. Okay. That's my eight. That's your eight. My eight is the last Jedi. So now I'm getting into the sequels. Yeah, this made it a lot higher on your list than I thought it would have. Yeah, it's um, it's my least favorite of the sequels. Um, but uh, you know, as outside of the whole, what is it, Canto Canto Bite, the Casino Planet? Oh my goodness, that was ridiculous. Shit, <laughs> um, which had nothing to do with anything and was just kind of plopped in there as filler, and also the world's slowest pursuit, space pursuit. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> um I uh, ultimately I I do enjoy the film still though. And I you know I think what propels this higher on my list puts it in the 8 slot instead of you know much lower is that um I don't take issue with Luke's portrayal in it. So obviously there's a you know that's that's a massive demerit for someone like you that isn't there for someone like me. Yeah. Um, I feel like because we've mentioned we're doing the debate thing and it's known that I dislike Luke's portrayal, This that's not the only re- – there are many, many other reasons this is a horrible film and why it's second last on my list. Like the Canto Bite thing and the pursuit – and not just telling what's his name, the plan. And like the list goes, there's a, there's a laundry list of reasons. This is bad for me, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Thought I needed to put plug that in there. (laughs) Yeah. So there are reasons you like it. There are reasons you dislike it. Yep. Yep. And, and the reasons I dislike it are not as strong. Like, I understand if you believe that, that Luke was done dirty, uh, I would find it very difficult to enjoy this film if that was, mm. if that was my perspective. Yeah. You, you and can so see I, that perspective and understand it. I can see, I, I mean, I think the perspective is, is mistaken i think it's misinformed but i can see that if that is the perspective if your takeaway is that luke 
was was done wrong, then I can understand the film being ranked so low. Like that that makes sense to me. Hmm. Interesting. Are you alive? Okay. <laughs> cool. Okay. What's what's up? What do you got next? So yeah, so that was eight. We're on to seven then. Uh, yep. My seven is Attack of the Clones. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. So I did just watch this recently. So like I have a pretty fresh take on it. And yeah, the the romance stuff felt like pretty it was it was badly written. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Outside of that, my only other gripe with this film was the choreographed lightsaber fights, like lightsaber on lightsaber, which there's, we only see only happens at the very end of this film. And it's, it's the Dooku fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan and, uh, and Dooku versus Yoda. And the part between Anakin and Obi-Wan is bad. It's really bad. Yeah. Like to go from the Phantom Menace where we get our kind of a really cool kind of um, wet your taste buds appetizer of a lightsaber combat in the desert to then the duel of fates, which was epic. Like to going to this lightsaber combat. Like the stadium stuff when they're fighting the robots is really cool. Like we, we touched on that earlier. There's lots of cool stuff happening in the, in the background. There's cool stuff happening in the foreground. Cool. It's great. I love it. I don't mind the whole C3PO thing. Um, it just kind of, I feel like kind of fits his character. It's a little tongue in cheek kind of over the top, but I'm okay with it. But yeah, the, to go from the Phantom Menace choreography for lightsaber on lightsaber combat to Attack of the Clones was bad. I can, I can, I will abbreviate the combat, the the, the scene for you. Anakin and Obi Wan enter the room. Anakin charges, gets lightning tossed aside. Obi Wan almost gets lightning, blocks it. There's a very quick. Um, clash of sabers and Obi-Wan is easily and quickly dispatched. Excuse me. <coughs> Need a cough. Um, and he, he just lays on the floor the rest of the fight, he throws his saber to Anakin and Anakin loses that lightsaber relatively quickly. And they end up, ends up like retreating, cutting a cable the room goes dark. The rest of the fight is pretty much just shots of their faces and lightsaber colors flashing in front. Yeah. Boring. It's, it's very poorly. What? Which after I think- what we've seen in the Phantom Menace, that's what we get. Now, the Yoda part was amazing and really well yeah. done, especially considering it's CG and uh, Ian McKellen is now fighting an invisible Yoda. Yeah. So, that was really well done, but the, the, the Anakin, oh my, it was just, what? 
That's what I, you give us? And I so, think it was done that way because Christopher Lee, as amazing as he is, is old as dirt. So any hero shots where you could see his face, they kind of just had to like do yeah, a close-up. But, oh, man. I, I still think that they could have done something. Like, he's obviously got more of a fencing style. So just make him easily bat away attacks from a, a rash and irrational yeah. Anakin. I mean, I think they could have done something and for whatever reason it didn't happen, but those, so, so those are my only two, like the romance thing is rough and arduous to get through and really cheeky. And that lightsaber combat's bad. So that's why it's down near the bottom of my list of good, good star Wars movies. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Um, yeah. But other than that, I think it was the rest of it is is gold. It's good stuff. Okay. Okay. What is your seventh? Uh this is gonna shock a lot of people. Oh. My seventh is Rogue Buckle One. Buckle in. Rogue One is my Rogue seventh. One. Wow. Yeah. I mean, okay. keep in mind, it's better than all the you know, it's better than one, two, three, four, five <clears throat> other Star Wars films. Yeah. Yeah, we're um, all, this is this is right before the top top half where this is yep. top of the bottom half. Yep. Um it, you know, it's great. It just it lacks for me, you know, like obviously there's no lightsabers. There's no Jedi, which is something I've been very vocal about to me is like an intrinsic part of what I'm looking mm-hmm. for in Star Wars. Um and it is like I want to go back and rewatch Rogue One now that I've seen Andor because I mm. think it will make me enjoy Rogue One more. I do enjoy Rogue One. Yeah, especially now felt, that you've got some appreciation for Andor himself as a character. Well, well and I've just got some backstory because I just, I felt <clears> like, <throat> you know, Rogue One ended and I was like, I don't feel like I know anybody. Uh, like, this I is like, I wonder if this is like another carp for the horse thing. Right, like this. Maybe Andor should have came before Rogue One. Because I just like Andor came out, and I was like, okay, I I still don't really know anything about who Cassian Andor is. I don't really know anything about Jyn Erso, and and they're all dead now. So like, uh, so it's not like it, it's even important who they are. Mm-hmm. And there's this like kind of force sensitive guy but he's like blind so he's not a jedi so it doesn't matter (laughs) and so so he's like yeah he can't like you know do all the jedi stuff he's just kind of like this homeless force user he just trusts in the force as a yeah the force is with the for i'm one with the force the force is with me or whatever it is and um you know like i really like alan tudyk's character yeah the robot yeah that's great um obviously the 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 um Vader hallway scene is incredible. Yeah. Finally Which getting to see obviously trying to recreate for this Ahsoka series. Yeah. Finally getting to see Vader's castle was great. Yes. I didn't have maybe I'm in the like I I did pick up on the sort of uncanny valley weirdness of the Grand Moff Tarkin stuff. Where I was like, yeah, it's him, but it's also clearly like it's kind of got like a Shrek animation quality to it. 
and it's a little strange. I don't think Star Wars has done a very good job with their deep fakes, like at all. No. I don't know. Who, I don't know why Lucasfilm can't get that effect right. Um, but like, even Luke showing up at the end of Mando season two, I was like, this yeah. is like weird it's, looking. It's funny that people that I don't know how much they are aren't in the industry, but like several months after, like there we've we've gotten kind of um fan cuts of the deep fakes like a fan deep fake of the deep fake yeah and the fans so much versions better look miles better yeah and it's like you guys are, you're you're in your ilm yeah. <laughs> like, what are you, like, what are you doing not just your ilm and disney <laughs> and disney lucasfilm like come on um having said that i fall in this like weird minority where i was not bumped by the leia portrayal like I saw it and I was like, I don't know. It looks pretty freaking good to me. So I, and that's yeah, like people hate me. on that left, right and center. So I don't know if there's just like something that I'm just not tuned into that I'm not seeing. Um, but yeah, so ultimately Rogue One, you know, it was fun. Um, it does drag a little bit. It kind of takes a while to kind of get going and really understand like what the story is. I did like that we eventually end up at a place where it's like, like World War Two style trench warfare, but set in Star Wars. Yeah, that was cool. Um, but yeah, you know, so it's higher than a lot of others. Excuse me, higher than a lot of others, but just not like top, top, top tier Star Wars for me. So, yeah. All right. So we're now in the top six. We're halfway. And- dum, dum, dum. And neither of us have mentioned an OT Star Wars film yet. So there well, are I mean, come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah. You, you notably still have two Disney films left to mention. Two Disney films and a prequel. Yeah. And the OG trilogy. Where, yeah. where I have one standoff film left. Yep. And two. Two, two prequels. Two, two prequels. Interesting. Well, let's let's cut to the chase. My my number six is Phantom Menace. Okay. Yeah. So I I put it I I put it above Attack of the Clones because of the reasons Attack of the Clones is where it is. <laughs> yeah. Like it doesn't have a weird rope. There's there's a small weird romance thing where Anakin's like, here, have this thing. But uh, are you an angel? But he's a kid, uh, and it's a little it's it's a little less weird and creepy, <laughs> and uh, and the lightsaber combat is on point, and uh, I mean, I remember going to see it in the theaters. Oh, it's just so it's good. I, I don't I I think the Jar Jar stuff is a bit much, like it's overdone. But the Gungan stuff that you're talking about, I don't mind that. I think that that's good world building. It it uh, comes into play later for the plot to kind of come full circle and uh, a necessity to kind of dry out the armies from the city so that they can do their thing and and uh, capture um, the oh, shoot. What's his name? Newt Gunry. Yeah. Like it all like in terms of a narrative, it it's it's a good movie. 
I think. And I really enjoy it. And it does Star Wars really well. And so it should because, you know, George Lucas is coming back. Coming back after how many years of being away from it. So, yeah. I I really liked it. I mean, there's there's obviously a lot more green screen stuff going on, which I've heard that the reason they used a lot of green screen instead of set locations is for some reason they didn't have a lot of money to put into the production value of, of things. So that was the cheaper option. But, I, I mean, it, like Attack of the Clones did the same thing, and all that CG still holds up really well. So yep. I'm yep. not – it. It's good. It's a good film. I like it. Yep. Okay. All right. All yeah. right. What's your uh, What's your six? Uh, the Force Awakens. The Force Awakens. Yeah. Um, okay. It's good. It's a fun time out at the theater. I was. I could not have been more excited when I first went to go watch it. Um, I do <clears throat> see a lot of similarities between it and A New Hope. That is kind of you know. Remember. <laughs> Four sensitive person found in the desert. Remember? No parents. You know, it's a little. Remember this big moon that's a Death Star? Um, but there was just like some <laughs> stuff that, like, as a as having not, you know, like there was no comics or like I wasn't reading the comics or whatever. Like there was just a lot of stuff that I, it just felt weird to me. I was like, why does 3PO have a red arm? Like, I just, that didn't work for me. I was kind of like, nah, yeah. well, it's, you know, and it kind of felt there's, like, you know, 3PO. There's, there's a lot of untold plot development. <laughs> yeah, and 3PO and R2-D2 kind of get shafted in this film for mm, yeah. BB-8. And I'm like, no, nah, man, like, if you know anything, it's it's like, the you know, the original six are kind of like, it's the Skywalker story. It's the story of Anakin told through the eyes of these two droids and so to now all of a sudden shelf these two droids you know and it was kind of like it it's in a weird way although ben solo is kind of a skywalker he's got the skywalker blood in him it just didn't it it wasn't it it they kind of feel like intruders in the Skywalker saga. Like it it it, it just yeah, it doesn't have yeah. this without Luke there and without Vader and without like without an actual Skywalker in this film, it just doesn't really and I mean you know Luke shows up at the end, but Luke's not in this movie. Um yeah, it just it doesn't. And then there was there was too much. There was too much stuff that was like, you know, how did you how did you get this lightsaber? How did you? That's a good story for another time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. How about you freaking tell me? How about yeah. you freaking oh, tell man. me where where the lightsaber that fell down from Cloud City? Yeah, and you, you we actually like legitimately we don't find out until like like our years later in a comic book. <laughs> yeah, which I have not read. So yeah, I don't I, I still don't either. have the answer. And I don't want you to tell me because I would rather just be grumpy about it. Um <laughs> I don't yeah, I don't know the answer either. <laughs> so it was just it's just kind of like yeah. Yeah. It's it's good. Yeah. It's a good movie. I enjoy it. But 
we, yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's. Top three uh, I hear what you're, you're. I hear what you're saying, and I kind of. I, I guess uh, that's probably one of the one thing I have kind of an issue with it too. It kind of like it backbenches the cast you're wanting to see. Yeah, you're wanting to see the continuation of the Skywalker story, and yeah. they're, they're Han and Leia there. and Luke and Chewie, R two D two C three PO. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Anyways, what's your number five? Number five, top five. Number five for me is Rogue One. Okay, it's yeah. not super far off where I put it. No, 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 just a few spots. You had it at uh, number seven. I've got it at number five. Five, yeah. Um, so, yeah, this, for for a Star Wars film that doesn't have Jedi, doesn't have Sith, well, no, sorry, it's got one Sith. <laughs> for a Star Wars that doesn't have any Jedi or any, uh, kind of, like, brand new protagonists, it was, I, I had a lot of fun with this film. It was it was fun to watch. It was fun to see this kind of uh, di- kind of the the um, spec ops side of the rebellion, kind of the the covert side, trying to work with it. Because like Andor, the TV show dived into that heavily, but we had never really seen it before. Then up to this point, all we knew about what was that in terms of the, just the movies uh, was that there is kind of a, a spec upside because Bothan spies died. Many Bothan spies died getting us this information. <laughs> so, so we know that it exists. Yep. And to kind of dive into that for me, I thought that was really fun. And then like you said, the whole climactic battle was epic and to have it finalized by Darth Vader just wrecking faces walking yeah. down that hall. Oh, yeah, so good. I yeah. really like this film. I don't have, yeah, I don't think I have hardly any beefs with this film. I thought it, it was, uh, for those keeping track, it is, it, it is and was. Disney's like best and first best like they're, they're in terms of their the Star Wars content they were putting out that was like that better than their Force Awakens <laughs> like it's the best film they Star Wars film they'd put out to date um yeah it was so good almost okay. like I almost feel like they should have started with that <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah all right my number five, the rise of Skywalker. Ah, there it there is. was, there That's was a point way above mine. <laughs> yeah, there was a point in time when I first saw the rise of Skywalker. I kind of questioned whether it was my new favorite Star Wars movie or not. Um, really? And I think that that was heavily influenced by my love of Palpatine. It was like I don't care how you bring him back. I don't care if it makes sense. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care if it makes sense. Just. Get them on the get them on the screen. Right. Um, you know, I'm all for I'm all for introducing new parts of lore and canon, right? I don't think the force needed to be explained, but I don't have any issue with midi chlorians. I I you know, I call me a, a heathen or you know, whatever. It doesn't bother me. 
because it's it's new aspects. Like part of the thing that is the force is that it is it's mysterious. Like people get people people are such hypocrites. Choose a side. Because the same people that were like, we prefer the force to be mysterious and something that we don't understand and you're blah blah blah. So don't give us midi-chlorians. Those were the same people that were like, what the hell's a dyad in the force? And this isn't the way the force works. Okay, well, which is it? Is the force mysterious and we don't understand how it works? Or do we understand exactly how it works? And anyone who suggests that there's things to the force that we've maybe not yet discovered can just go to hell. Pick us up. Or is it some balance in between? <laughs> you we understand many it. things about the force, but there's much we don't. Yeah. And so, and there's much we don't. And some of that could be this, you know, people are like, well, you know, we've never seen somebody, we've never seen somebody be able to pass a physical object through space using the force before, right? Like here, have this lightsaber through this like vision type thing and you blah, blah, blah. Okay, right. But we've never seen a dyad in the force before. Wow. Right. They just made that up. Yeah. Well, it's Star Wars. They made all of it up. Shut up. <laughs> Sit down and shut up. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy it. I, I, you know, I. So I, I take an issue a little bit with um, the fact that there's so much though, like that. There's a lot of stuff that, like, about Exegol that's never explained. Mm-hmm. Like, what? It's, who are all these these, these Sith? Yeah. Like what is this like this stadium full of like Sith And why don't they get people. involved in the fight? <laughs> yeah, I'm like what's happening? And like and so that's they seem little... to outnumber them drastically. Why are they just standing there chanting? Yeah. So that's a little weird. Obviously there's the whole retconiness of all of the sequel series, sequel trilogy is just like yeah. retcon after retcon of itself. It's like retconning. I don't I don't really think that the rise of Skywalker retcons i mean it retcons the death of palpatine but it does it in a way that i'm okay with like it explains it it's not just like well no he's alive don't ask any questions don't deal with it i don't think that's an egregious thing either like no it it feels Um, like it should have been let up built up a bit more in the last film but i like it's it's part of legends he yeah. came back as a clone. Comes back. Right. Yeah. And the, so the way what he's trying to do is also technically a part of Legends with uh at hap in the in the Darth Bane novels, Darth Bane learns about how he can project his consciousness into another being. Yeah. Like, the one it, big beef that I have with the Rise of Skywalker is she's got this knife, this blade. Oh, yes. That the magic shows knife. her shows her the way because the edges in it, you know. And there's there's a lot of things about this people have issues with that I don't have issues with, but I do have an issue with one big thing, you know. So the the edges on the knife line up with the angles of the debris from the destroyed Death Star. Yeah, and some people would call bullshit on that. And I don't call bullshit because I'm like, okay, but it's like a prophecy in the force. It's this like prophesized thing. So that knife existed 
before the Death Star ever existed or got blown up or landed, the chunks of it landed there, but it was prophesized. It was like destiny. Mm. It was it was always going to happen yeah. that way. Okay, great, fine, whatever. However, Star- this film does not seem to understand perspective. And the fact that this knife, the edges on this knife, is only going to line up perfectly with the debris of the Death Star if she happens to be standing in that exact perfect spot. (laughs) 100 feet forward, 100 feet back, 30 feet to the left or right, and it's not a match anymore. Like, yeah. it's just so dumb. And it uh, could have th- easily been some other kind of MacGuffin. It was, a, yeah. And it was like, well, so that that was the big, you know, kind of whatever that that <clears throat> bothered me. Aside from that, I was like, no, I was completely, I was completely on board with that film. And I didn't mind it. I, I enjoy it. I, it doesn't rank as high as it originally did. Um but but yeah, The Force Awakens is my number, or not Force Awakens, The Rise of Skywalker is my number five. Hmm. Well, uh, yep, that is definitely higher than mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're at top four. My number four is A New Hope. That's that's where I'm going to put it, number four. And it it's at number okay. four because I like the other ones better. I mean- I don't have a lot to gripe on about this. It's a little slower, like you were saying. Did you know you haven't said it yet? Oh, what was it? Oh, it was Phantom Menace you were talking about, taking mm-hmm. forever to get off the Yeah, I haven't said a new hope yet. Um, yeah, so for me, yeah, it's it's a little slower for pacing. I don't usually have as big an, uh, an issue with pacing when it comes to films, unless it's egregiously bad. Uh, and I don't find A New Hope's pacing to be bad. It's just, it's a little slower than I think the other ones. And it's like, I don't, I don't have problems with it really. I don't think, not that I can think of, <laughs> like I made this list today. So as a recording, um, so I, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. If I watch it back, I probably won't find anything. It's it's just it's a timeless film, and I just have to put the other ones first before it. My top three has to be before this because because I just like them better. You enjoy them more. Yep. Yeah. All right. What is my your number, number four? My number four is A New Hope. Hey. Yeah. Look at that. For most of, for a lot of the reasons something. you said. I mean, it's got to be rated high because it's the OG. Um, yeah, it's the thing that kind of starts it and sets it all up and it's, it's fun and it's exciting and it's iconic, you know, the trash compactor and we're fine. We're all fine here. How are you? <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. you know, boring conversation anyways, Luke, we're going to have company like <laughs> great shot. Don't get cocky kid. Like all of yeah, that stuff. It's, yeah. Everything is, is so good. It's so good. Um, and so yeah, but it's just like it's it's the the three that I have ranked higher than it. I'm going to go to and turn on and watch before I will turn on and watch A New Hope, mm-hmm. right? And I've found myself in the past fortunate enough to show several different people 
Star Wars for the first time. Several, like four or five people I've been a part of indoctrinating them with Star Wars. And over the years of doing it, the order that we watch them in has fluctuated, whether it be order of release, whether it be timeline order. Um, More often than not, now I think I go with the chainsaw order, right? So we watch four, five, one, two, three, six, seven, eight, nine. And even that one has some issues, some things that I don't like. The chainsaw order does. Yeah. Particularly when it comes to the sequels. And just because I think the only downside to the chainsaw order is now that there's sequels, if the last one that you watched before you watched The Force Awakens is Return of the Jedi, then it it doesn't some of the oh my god it's the falcon oh my god it's han solo like some of that loses a little bit of its oh it's been so long and that's the oh that's really the only mm. gripe um but but no matter what order we watch them in and it it's usually always you know for a first time viewing we always start with a new hope i always find myself prefacing a new hope by saying okay star wars starts a little slow but bear with it <laughs> bear with it right like yeah. don't don't base your opinion on where this is going to go based on this movie it's from the 70s it's a little bit slower it's a little bit you know yeah, blah we made blah, films blah. differently back then yeah and so that's that's yeah but it's my number four yeah um you, you got the kind of order of watching there and it uh i i seen an interview with george lucas recently and he his viewing order is numerical because yes. it's the story of anakin and it, the story starts on at uh at with number one with the phantom menace anyway tangent there before we get to our top three our top three are in no particular order the same okay like we we have the same three movies left we, so. we have the same and maybe they're uh, they maybe they're the, i don't know but Maybe with, we're going to just line up three here. left. We're likely to have at least one more. At least one more. Okay. That uh, what's, lines What's up. your number three? So for my n- number three, my, my bronze medalist in the race of Star Wars is Revenge of the Sith. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Revenge of the Sith for me is a beautiful capstone to what was uh, – the prequel trilogy because uh, and the, the prequel trilogy looking back on it like at that time and and dates when those movies were releasing people might have said they were divisive i don't think they were like but looking at them now i don't think it was divisive people didn't right. like them but they they were still star wars to them and they still enjoyed it, them. it they depends just didn't enjoy them entirely on your age 
Like, no, yeah, no, ab- yeah, and that too, right? If like, you were a kid when the prequels came out, you probably loved the prequels. I was yeah. a kid when the prequels came out, and I've always been a prequels defender. Yeah, and so I was, a, and I was a teenager, so they hit differently for me, and they would have hit differently for somebody. Who well, was, yeah, I was uh, like an adult when I was when, thirteen when they, or something when it came yeah. out. So, like, they. Old, older audiences thought they were a little childish, but they still liked them. I don't think at the time that people you might look at it might have looked at it and saying saying it's been divisive, but it, it's not not nothing nothing compared to what Disney the Disney divisiveness has been. Anyway, sure. it's it's a beautiful capstone to what was a kind of murky. We won't say. Uh, bad or what or anything uh you had them pretty low i didn't uh the prequels weren't weren't ideal they weren't the best possible star wars films well i've still got the revenge of the sith kicking around here though so yeah no yeah but but i'm saying that revenge of the sith is the best of what we want from a star wars movies in the prequels which weren't always up to par with what we want in a star wars movie yeah Uh, and for that reason it hits number three because it is everything we want in a Star Wars movie in the prequel era. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, I, I still can't get through. I cannot get through. You were my brother, Anakin. I loved you with dry eyes. Hmm. Like, it wrecks me. Yeah. It wrecks me. Because in that moment, it's Obi-Wan. Like, Obi-Wan is saying, like, I... I'm not supposed to love. I'm I had Anakin, my connection with you, my bond with you was so strong that even I was not the ideal Jedi in my connection with you. I was attached to you. Yeah. And because of that attachment, I let things slide. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so freaking. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. It d- dives, it, it cuts deep. It dives deep when you dig so into good. like what the meaning of that is behind it. Yeah. yeah. The script, the action, both lightsaber combat, star uh, fighters, just yeah, everything in that film is damn near perfect. Do you know what's really funny? I just realized we both not only did we agree on a new hope, we both put Star Wars Episode Four in the number four slot. It's just so poetic. <laughs> it's so poetic. That's funny. Um, yeah. Okay, so my number three: Empire Strikes Back. Ooh, wow! With the OG trilogy, you're—I find you're either a Jedi guy or you're an Empire guy. Yep, this is true. Um, Empire's great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I've never, I was like the whole Lando, Cloud City, Bespin stuff. That doesn't, it, for me, that was, as a kid growing up watching it, it was like, that was a little boring. Um, but then obviously the lightsaber fight, it's like the first real lightsaber fight that we see in Star Wars. Because the whole Obi-Wan Vader thing doesn't really, you know, it doesn't scratch an itch the way that, that Luke fighting Vader in Empire does. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's the no, I'm your father <clears throat> moment, um, followed by a really, even I, like, I don't know a person out there that, that doesn't agree that 
Mark Hamill's acting in response is just atrocious. The no! It's almost, yeah, it's that's almost impossible. as bad as the no yeah. from. That's <laughs> so probably bad. the only really drawback to Revenge yeah. of the Sith is so the bad. no at the very end. Um, the introduction <laughs> it, of the kind Emperor. Of, it, it, oh, yeah. Which now has been gone back and dubbed with with Ian McDermott, but originally was uh, the voice of Clive, Clive something or other. Yeah. And it was like a some, some chimpanzee girl, some face. lady that was just happened to be on set that they threw a cloak over. Yeah, it was a it was a woman and they superimposed chimpanzee eyes over her eyes, and then yeah. it was someone else doing the voice. It was some guy named Clive something. Um Which just like man Which is cool. Can you imagine being in like the creative room about how are we gonna do this? Yeah. Um so that was <laughs> Well we could hire cool. a guy. No, 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 no. Let's get a let's get a chimpanzee and uh, that girl who works over there in pro, in the makeup department and uh, we'll get that guy to do his voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's that's great. Um, obviously, the introduction of Yoda yeah. and all of that stuff is fantastic. The Wampa, the Hoth, like it's it's all it's just great. It's really great. Um, I'm personally. Obviously, I fall on the on the Jedi scale. I like Return of the Jedi better than I like Empire, um, and so that's why it it ranks in my number three slot. There you go. Very yeah. cool. What is your number two? All right, number two for me is Empire Strikes Back. Okay, you're a Jedi guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Empire Strikes Back is is is. Uh, a great turning point in the original trilogy. Maybe and, the best sequel of all time. Yeah. And the narrative of it and how it kind of intentionally leaves people in horrible positions for the sequel is beautiful. Like not, not quite, I wouldn't call it like a cliffhanger, but it leaves you in a spot where you're like, how did how can it how can they possibly get Luke or how can they possibly get Han back? What's going to happen with Luke's hand and and what what's going to you know what it, like it has there's all these kind of yearning questions, um and, and it's kind of such a dark place. Oh man, it's it's good yeah and then you get yeah the introduction of Yoda the training Luke facing the darkness inside him and not heeding his master's warnings. Well, that's just it, right? Like a new hope is the introduction of the force. Whereas empire is the introduction of the dark side. It's the introduction that there is this, this darker aspect to it. Yeah. And and the introduction of the Imperial March. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and, and, and like, it's in a new hope it's pretty much just like one story being told in in empire strikes back as soon as they leave hoth we've got two divergent storylines that come back together and both of them are entertaining yeah aside from aside from this brief passing luke it's a trap it's a trap in the hallway our hero's stories don't reconverge with each other they're never in the same room together again 
Yeah. It's which is, yeah, it's, it's good. I like it. It's, yeah. uh, it's a great, great film. I, it, I can see why people have it as number one and I, I get that, but I think obviously for the same way that you do, I just, yeah, for return of the Jedi <clears throat> better. And I'll get into that in a minute. What's Can you imagine movie? being in the theaters in the 70s? Because the other great thing about this film is it's not a happy ending. Yeah. It ends in peril. Yeah. Han's frozen in carbonite, and Luke is missing an arm and, and has just found out that Vader's his father, and we as an audience don't know if we fully believe that. If it's Is it true? It must be true. No, it can't be true. And then to be like, Okay, now wait a couple of years to find out. <laughs> like, yeah. what? Yeah, I always like that Simpsons episode where they kind of do a flashback to Homer and Marge seeing it, and Homer walks out <laughs> as he's walking by everyone yeah. in line. Man, can you believe that that guy was his father? <laughs> well, we uh, I saw the first, not like the first ever, but opening night, we were the earliest screening on opening night of Force Awakens in IMAX. Um, and worst possible seats in the theater, like IMAX, and we're right up at the front, first row off to the side, neck break yeah, seats. I've been there before. Because it was like, you know, the websites were crashing and all of this stuff, and we're sitting there like refreshing the page and refreshing the page. And so there's we're like walking out in the massive line of people waiting to get in, and I'm like, man... There'd be no quicker way to ensure my own death... Then to go, holy crap, Han Solo died? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, all right, my number two. Return of the Jedi. Interesting. This, I mean, as a kid, when when I would go and, you know, we would rent, every time we went to the video store, I was either renting Jedi or I was re- renting Empire, often both. And that was it. That was the only thing as a kid that I rented. It's the only thing I cared about. And quite often, I would like fast forward and just watch the throne room scene. Mm, yeah. Um, and then as I got a little bit older, I was a little more interested in in golden bikini Leia. And you know, <laughs> as teenage boys do, as teenage boys tend to do. And um, but no, I it, it listen it. It's just the and again, I'm an emperor guy, right? And so the emperor being there. And the mystery that shrouded the empire, the emperor, and he was just the, like the epitome of evil. He was the embodiment of evil. Good, good. Take your weapon, strike, strike me down, down and your, your father. <laughs> journey towards the dark side will be complete. Yeah. Um, and then the one time that he like breaks that kind of voice, it is still obviously clearly the emperor, but he's like. Oh, I'm afraid the defense mechanisms will be quite operational when your friends arrive. Like in this like super <laughs> mocking tone. Oh, yeah. it's so good. But gold. Just the fight, man. Force lightning. It was the first time we saw force lightning. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, so all of that I love and listen, I'm a different not of the films, not of the little standoff TV films and the animated, you know, whatever. <laughs> But I am a defender of Ewoks. Ewoks, for the record, and I'm not the only person who has this opinion, are a lot of people go, oh yeah, the cute little teddy bears from from 
Return of the Jedi. Make no mistake, Ewoks are very potentially the most dangerous and savage and violent creatures in Star Wars. And I'm not just <laughs> saying that, like, that's, I'm, I'm not being, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, I'm, I'm not, it, 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 I'm not being sarcastic. I'm, I genuinely believe that, that these are savage, <clears throat> savage beasts that will, you know, they're like, they're, they're ready to cook and eat Luke and Han. Yeah. Until Leia's like, no, these are my friends. Stop it. <laughs> like, don't. And then the way they just lay waste to the stormtroopers <clears throat> and to like Adats. Like they're just yeah. they're badass they're, little mofos. They their ingenuity is insane. Like they're, they can make hang hang gliders. They don't want to fly. Their celebration is dancing around burning stormtrooper bodies and drumming on their helmets. Yeah. <laughs> on the helmets of the fallen. They yeah. are There was probably there was more than likely several stormtrooper kebabs being passed around. Oh, absolutely they were eating stormtrooper that night. Absolutely. They they weren't celebrating because the empire was done. They were celebrating because yeah, their feast. Their, their their um their pantries were stuffed to the rafters. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Can I interest you in some cured FN213? Like it was, it was savage. Now, Return of the Jedi, man, it, it's just, it's yeah. so, oh. it's so good. Yeah. It is so good. And, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. uh, it just, it's amazing. It is, especially once the prequels came out. Because the prequels, one of the things that the prequels did was it really made, like, say what you will about George Lucas, say what you will about the prequels. His foresight and the ability to connect everything was phenomenal. The fact that one little throwaway line in, in A New Hope, you served my father in the Clone Wars, and then the Clone Wars become everything in the prequels. It becomes everything. It becomes the way that the Emperor even comes to be. And it was just this throwaway line initially. And the yeah. fact that what the prequels did was it brought Vader's story full circle. It took, it actually, the prequels took what the story of the original trilogy was and changed it. Because you watch the original trilogy before the prequels come out and you go, yeah, it's a story of Luke Skywalker. You watch the prequels and then you go, oh, wait, no. All six films are the story, the rise, the fall, and the redemption of Anakin. Yeah. Which and I'm... Oh, it's so good. Yeah, some some people will probably debate it, but I'm confident sure. that that was George Lucas's intent from the very beginning. Quite possibly. He's that kind of guy. Yeah. Maybe not from A New Hope, because it sounds like when they made A New Hope, he was kind of like, it, he didn't even know if they were going to do another one. Like, it yes. was kind of, but by the time they did Empire, yeah. he had a plan. For oh, sure. for sure. All right, sir. Yeah. Well, we already know what your number one is because it's the only thing that's left, but yeah. talk to me about number yeah. one. Yeah, we've eliminated everything else. Therefore, the only thing that remains is, let's beat this drum a little bit more since um, you're done, but I'm not. Return of the Jedi, <laughs> number one, best Star Wars movie out there. 
period. Yeah. In your freaking, opinion. Freaking awesome. All yeah. the reasons you said, like, uh, the, the lightsaber, like, it's, it doesn't hold up to prequels lightsaber combat. I no. mean, it's it's better than Attack of the Clones lightsaber combat. <laughs> well, they were instructed but, differently, right? Like, yes, Hamill's gone the, on record saying, we were yeah, told... It's supposed to be a heavy sword. It's heavy. It's like yeah. a broad sword. You, you have, have to hold, hold this thing with two hands. You have to hold hands. it with two hands. Yeah. Um, but, man, it's... it's it, even, even still, it's it's great combat. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, Luke retreating, kind of trying to be stealthy because he's having a hard time losing his cool find realizing what he's doing after seeing his father's hand is a robot hand and he's got when he's like oh i'm going down the same path i can't do this i there's only one way to end this cycle and he throws away his lightsaber and chooses uh peace and and forgiveness for his father and like and and that redeems oh, just that redeems Darth Vader. Yeah, it's just so cool. And then there's lots of fun. Like this is something that's really great about uh, so the original trilogy. I think the 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 prequels do it a bit, but like there's little details that I feel like get missed in the Disney franchise and some of the prequel stuff. We're like. When we first see Luke in this movie, he's dressed in all black. Well, I mean, he's dressed in all black for the whole film, but he's dressed in black. He's using the force to choke somebody. He's is kind of ambiguous. Like, is he falling? Is he is he becoming using the force wrong here? Like, is he doing what Yoda said and falling to the dark side? Yeah. And it, we're kind of unsure. And as the film progresses eventually that black suit kind of the lapel pops open and there's white there. Yep. And it's, and it's kind of, uh, there, there's been a lot of like, whether it's intentional or not, man, it's, I, I, I'm, I feel like it's intentional. Maybe, maybe that's wishful thinking. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe, but it's like, yeah, I don't know that, that sort of aspect that, yeah, you know what? He's dressed in black because the dark side is still, there and it's still present and it he could still fall to the dark side but then when that white starts being shown it's like no he's there's good in him and he's going to uh, like on the on the inside he's good at the very core of who luke is he is good so yeah man just everything about this film i like so good that I don't have a problem with you guys. I hear I hear what you're saying with the Ewoks, and I don't have a problem with it. Right? Nope. People can hate on the Ewoks. Like, how can an Ewok? How can these Ewoks take down walkers and stuff? We don't know how many. You know, like they get they get they get torn to shreds for quite a while in this film before they kind of turn the tide. Yep. And we don't know how many there are. While they're getting torn to shreds, maybe they're setting these elaborate traps. You know, like they they well, they and they're hunters like in there. Yeah, they could be like ants, like really, really good worker bee. You know, like 
we can we can do this set this stuff up we're we're that's we're smart enough for that yeah but yeah they're they're definitely vicious little creatures you, you can't uh you can't um look at them and go oh they're, they're harmless how could yeah. they possibly take out the little no. prepubescent warwick davis oh you're cute <laughs> Yeah, I think they're great. Yeah. And I think this whole film is gold. Yeah. yeah. All right, my number one. So your one. top one. Wow, th- I did not expect this. Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Because even when I thought, even when I thought that Rise of Skywalker might be my new favorite, I knew that that meant that Revenge of the Sith was second. It is just so good. It is, it's the glue that holds the Star Wars universe together prior to the sequels, right? Like well, It marries the sequels and the, and the original perfectly. Flawlessly. It, 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 because I remember going into watching it for the first time in the theater thinking, man, this film's got a lot it's got to do. Yeah. We got to see Anakin turn into Vader. We got to figure out, like, you know, we got to somehow go from, (laughs) yeah, where, what the hell is the deal with all the Jedi not being around? We have to somehow go from the galaxy the way it is to the galaxy having an empire and an emperor and all of these things. That has to all come to a head. We have to see Luke and Leia. We have to see, like, it was just like, I was like, I I don't know how it's going to do all this. And it did. And it does it so well. Whether we're talking about the heart-wrenching and jaw-dropping moment of Execute Order 66 and and everything that transpires because of that, whether it's, Anakin, you're breaking my heart, you're going down a road that I can't follow you down. Whether it's discovering... Now, look, maybe I was stupid... Maybe I was young and naive at 13, but that's fine because it worked in my benefit because I was in the theater, jaw dropped the moment that I made the connection between Palpatine and Sidious. Everyone else seemed to know ahead of me and that was totally fine because I see myself as the winner in this situation (laughs) because when Anakin found out, I found out. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's, I don't know. I don't know how and why I never made that connection. But it I just kind of went over your head. Yeah, but that, I benefited like from even, it. Like episode one, you, like you didn't, you didn't draw the connection in episode one. No, because I think as a kid, Palpatine was the boring politics side of the story that I didn't care about. So I didn't mm. really pay attention to Palpatine or his dialogue or who he was or what he was doing because I just didn't give right. a shit. It wasn't a Jedi. It wasn't, you know, that's, yeah, he's boring. I was excited every time we saw Sidious on screen, but I just never made the connection. Hmm. Until, you know, as the clues, you know, is it possible to learn this, this power, this ability? Not from a Not Jedi. Not from a Jedi, right? Like stuff like that. And then, yeah. you know, use my knowledge. I beg <laughs> of you. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like it was, it was nuts. Right. And so all of that, whether it's that stuff, whether it's oh the opening, 
the it's I maintain it's the greatest opening to any Star Wars movie because you have the two of them in their Jedi fighters, Obi-Wan and, and Anakin, in their Jedi fighters, and they're just kind of cruising along. And then all of a sudden they like dive down and double back and the camera shifts and all of a sudden you realize, oh, this is a massive battle that's happening. Mm. And so that's really cool. Um, the fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan. Oh my gosh. Like you want to talk about pinnacle lightsaber dueling? That's nuts. It's nuts. It's so good. Yeah, that, yeah. And that's one, like why Phantom, uh, Menace is higher than, uh, like I said this already, Phantom Menace is higher than Clone Wars. Oh, because the Duel of the Fates dueling battle? Dueling is, is horrible yeah. in Clone Wars. Yeah. Where, like, we went from Duel of Fates to Clone Wars to, to um, um, Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Like, what happened in Duel of Fates is on par, no, is, is uh, continues in Revenge of the Sith, but doubles down. Yeah. Like Revenge of the Sith, that fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan yeah. is 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 that same energy that from Duel of Fates. But there's because there's more on the line, yeah. It it's heavier, it's faster. Oh man, it's so good. But yeah, so I just love everything about Revenge of the Sith. <sighs> the explanation as to yeah. why Vader's in a suit. Yeah. Why he's in an iron lung. Why he's yeah. got the scars. When he finally does take his helmet off in Jedi, why does he look like that? Like he's that's not just a dude in a suit. That's a that's a broken, effed up dude in a suit. Why? What happened to him? Right? And so all of that. Where what happened to Luke and Leia's mother? Why is she not around? Um the the seeing Uncle Owen and Amperu, which we do see them in we see more of them in Attack of the Clones. Right, when angsty Anakin's like, I don't want a stepbrother, or like you know whatever it is, but <laughs> but <laughs> it's 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 just it ties everything. It's it's and it's it's Obi Wan's gonna go and silently watch over. Bail Organa is going to. We have to separate the children. So I'm going to take. Well, you know we've always wanted. We've talked about adopting a girl. We'll take the girl. Yoda is so ashamed of the fact that, you know, not only is it said that the Jedi's ability to use the Force has been diminished, but that somehow all of this has happened under Yoda's nose. Yeah. Yoda effed up. And so he's going to go like, into exile. Not even under his nose, like in the bathroom yeah. while he's pooping. Like, yes. He's, he's been so hanging out with Palpatine, the big bad, for yeah. lunch and dinner and breakfast and... And only he, recently he hasn't caught a whiff of it. Only they've recently, been, they've been weary of of the politics of the politics, but not specifically Palpatine. Yeah. So it's it's just it's so good. It I love absolutely everything about it. Um, yeah. I I I fail to I fail to find a flaw with Revenge of the Sith. And every time I know that that's what's up next, that's the movie we're looking to watching next. Um, I, I'm always the most excited, and it's actually for me in Chainsaw Order, knowing that I'm going to go from Revenge of the Sith. Like, 
it's like Revenge of the Sith is this crazy climax, and then Return of the Jedi, when we get to that after, is just a little bit of a, like a, okay, let's decompress, let's wind down and see how this original saga ends now. Right. It's just like, yeah, it's so intense and crazy. So that's it. That's our lists. Um, reach out to us. Let us know why our lists are right or why our lists are wrong and what your list is. Send us your list. I would yeah. love to see it. I would love to see your list. Um, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all listed below. Our Patreon. It's a great way to support the show for as little as a dollar a month. Um, you get some perks, including increased voting power when uh, when we release votes. You get to go on and say, hey, I think Brady and Pete should watch and review that movie next. Um, so if you want your vote to count as more than the next guy's vote, uh, Patreon is the way to do said thing. And merch. We got clothing. You know, most places you go nowadays, you need clothes. So why not have your clothes say the Movie Man podcast on it? I can't think of a good reason. I can't think of a good reason why your clothing should not say the Movie Man podcast. So, until we reconvene next week. When hopefully... Oh, and keep an eye out. Right around the corner... Put the, putting the pressure on Carl here. Carl, get your get your shiz together. Right around the corner is our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. I'm so excited! I cannot wait to sit down and talk about this. Um, you saw so, it yeah. already? It's out, man! It's out. Did you see, see it? it? Did you what? see it? Have no, not yet. It? I haven't not seen yet. it because because you don't have. I want to see it like as close to when we're going to talk about it as possible. So, oh, so you so want to know like, when I'm seeing it so that you can see it. And, yeah, so we can get yeah. this episode up, man. Right. So we yep, can yep, like, yep, yep, yep. yeah. Well, yeah. maybe this week we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> and until we reconvene, so. until we reconvene next week, may the force uh, be with you. Uh, yes, and do it. <laughs> do it now. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>